everybody. Welcome to King of Pro Wrestling Podcast. We are here this week to discuss and preview the best of the Super Juniors. We also have uh, some news and notes to go over and, of course, our classic matches uh, to kick us off. Paul, how you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Man, I cannot complain. It's been a busy weekend, but uh, had a few days off work, so life is good. Life is good. Mm. Just, you know, watching wrestling and hanging out. Yeah, and getting a nursery together. Getting the nursery together, yeah. It's starting uh, to come together finally, painting and uh, moving all the stuff that was in there out and getting ready to move everything that needs to be in there in. So, you know, let me, ask you a, let me ask you a question that it just dawned on me. I'm not sure I even asked you off the air. Mm-hmm. Have you found out the sex of the baby? Yes. yes Are you indeed, sharing that yeah. information? We are, actually. Uh, it's a girl. Congratulations. You know what? I, you. I can't remember if you told me that or not. I feel like I, I I feel like I might. Well, I mean, we have a group text going, uh, you know, with all the guys and everything. So I feel like I did say something in there. But uh, I mean, hell, sometimes I turn away and there's like forty text messages, well, so I miss well, stuff you know too. I, so, you know. Yeah, and I've gotten bombarded because you and your wife are having a baby. Our yeah. friend Matt and his wife are having their first child. Yes, which my is awesome. sister is having a baby, and they're all. I think you guys are doing July. Matt and Jen are doing August, and my sister's doing October. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so I can't keep I can't keep it straight. I think you know. So, but exciting times. Yeah, man, absolutely. absolutely. So I'm going to have a air quote niece coming. That's right. Yes, yeah. you are. Yes, Beautiful. you are. And we joked about this before. I think actually about how the due date falls um, the day before your birthday, which is funny because your first, her due date, if I'm not mistaken, originally fell around my birthday. And uh, it didn't end up shaking out that way. but No, because uh, when is your birthday? May 27th. Oh, it was pretty close because if both of the girls, the oldest girl, Shannon's birthday is May 22nd. And Maggie's birthday is May 28th. Well, there you go. Yeah. So there you have it. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of neat that both the girls have the same like a birthday in the same week. Although yeah. we constantly joke with my wife that I did not think the timing of this through. When my oldest daughter, I got to go through having a teenage daughter, which is going to be a nightmare. She turns 13 in like two weeks. Yeah. Um, I have to do all that. And the week she turns 21 and, and I have to deal with all that nonsense, the little one turns 13. And I get oh. to do it all over again. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God. Yeah. I, so, yeah. So to anybody, if you come to all, if you see us at All In or StarCast and you wonder why my hair is turning gray and falling out, it's... <laughs> Teenage daughter. There you go. Oh, so. man. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, I'm just getting started. I'm just getting started. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. So. Um, speaking of which, let's go ahead and kick off uh, news and notes and talk a little bit about All In and StarCast. Uh, tickets for All In will go on sale probably by the time this podcast drops. Um, may actually already be on sale as they go on sale Sunday, May 13th at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central, um, which uh, I mentioned the Central time because the show itself actually does indeed take place in Chicago or outside, right outside of Chicago, so it is Central time. Um, okay, I'm glad you remembered to mention that because I am an Eastern time elitist, yeah. and, and we always forget <laughs> that there's other people in this country that don't follow our lead. You know, right. Well, you know, it's crazy for a while because I lived in Indianapolis. And when I lived in Indianapolis, there was a time when Indianapolis did not observe daylight savings time. So like half the year, like I was on Eastern time and then half the year I was on Central time. It was crazy. And then that changed when I was in college, uh, when I was living there. But anyway, um, yeah, yeah. Well, and I've been an East Coast guy for, I mean, a good portion 
of, of growing up, uh, between Charlotte and, and, and then Scranton. So, um, I was used to Eastern time as well, but yeah, well, when you live in the Eastern time zone, you forget, you I mean, you just, because everything works kind of off Eastern time zone, like yeah. TV shows come on at eight o'clock, everything's right. set for the East. So you kind of forget, you know, that you have to mention sometimes like centrals, as far as I can go, I can't fathom people living in the mountain time zone or the Pacific time zone. Like, uh, I, know, I can't right? understand how people get up on Sundays to watch football in the first games at like 9am. No, but, I know. That's crazy to me. Or like starting to watch WrestleMania at like noon or something, you know. Although, like, you know, so there's something to be said for that because they're not sitting there watching WrestleMania at 1130 at night saying, oh point. my God, I got to get up for work at six in the morning. Mm-hmm. So there's something to be said for both ways, I guess. Yeah, right. Um... But for All In, uh, those tickets will go on sale on Sunday, May 13th, and uh, the prices were released not too long ago. I don't I don't think we were able to touch on it in the last podcast, but... No, I don't think they were released at that point. Yeah, uh, they're going to start on the high end at $153, so, I mean, you want a front row ticket to All In, $153 is not bad, you know? No, I mean, you're well, they to had see. mentioned, too... I mean, I'm sorry. That Cody That's had it. mentioned that he wanted to keep the prices. Well, yes. not he, they wanted to keep them as affordable. I mean, if you're looking at your top price being 153, that's nothing. Like no. I know 153 dollars is, isn't. You know, that might be a lot of money to some people. But then think about how if you work back off that first tier, what the price, the tickets to the price become. Right. Absolutely. You know, I think I think if you go to like a Raw or a SmackDown, and you buy t- tickets around the ring, or more expensive for one of those shows. Oh yeah. Yeah, I know so. when uh, when Raw and SmackDown were here for um, you know Christmas when when they had the the show on Christmas Day uh, in Chicago. Uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, like yeah, front row tickets for that were, I mean like two fifty or something like that. I, you yeah, know, it's yeah, which which I get and it's fine, whatever. Um, it is what it is. Yeah, but I mean uh, nobody's forcing you to buy them and sit in the front row. Right, but right, I, exactly. I think the point the point though being that one fifty three for front row tickets, like the top tier, that's nothing. No, especially for a show of this nature. Well, um, yeah, but you got to figure too because, like, you would think it'd almost be the opposite because these guys are flipping the bill for everything. Right. I mean, you know, WWE or even New Japan to a certain degree or, or these other companies, they can play with their pricing more because they they could, you know, if they wanted to really pack an event and they could drop the ticket prices because they can absorb the loss on there and, and spread it out over how many events and make it back. I mean, you basically have these guys, the wrestlers themselves, flipping the bill for this. I mean, and they're bringing a lot of talent and everything. So it's it's not surprising, but it it's it would it would have been understandable had the tickets been more expensive because they got to pay everything out of pocket. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you know, it was noted, actually, the Chicago Tribune um, ran an article today in today's newspaper, today being Saturday, May 12th, and uh, went over some of the particulars of the event. Uh, they clearly had, they, they talked to Cody, and I believe Matt Jackson was quoted as well uh, within the article. And, um, you know, a lot of the information that they revealed is already stuff that a lot of wrestling fans know, but a couple of things that they mentioned that stood out to me uh, is, is Cody was talking about the fact that they were you know, operating not to make money, but to, but to fill the house. That was their goal. It wasn't, it wasn't to come away from this, you know, cash in a check. It was to come away from this saying we put 10,000 people in the building. Uh, Cody also said that they would not count it as a sellout unless all 10,154 seats were actually filled. Yeah. Um, not, no giveaway to fill right. it. Yeah. I mean, they, they sound like they're gonna be honest. If they don't sell it out and they come short, they're going to give you the, the real ticket sale, like number of tickets sold. Right. I, I'm hoping, you know, besides the fact that we're going 
and I can't right, wait right. to go there. I'm hoping it sells out for no, like, you know, just so these guys can prove the point. They, you know what I mean? They took a big gamble on this. Right. You know, and, and it's great, you know, I, I, it's it's great in one way because, you know, they, they took a gamble and it shows that you don't need necessarily the backing of a huge company. But it's just, you know, it's good in another way, too, because it's going to give a, a pretty large platform for a lot of uh, people that, you know, mainstream casual wrestling fans haven't seen before or know about. Absolutely. You know? Now, here's a question for you. Is this event going to actually air on TV, pay-per-view, or... You know, it's like, funny you mentioned that because the Tribune article, they did actually bring that point up. And at this point in time, Cody said there were no plans to air the event, that it was that it was a live event only. Um, now, I would be shocked if they didn't record the event and, you know, and then sell like DVDs or Blu-rays. I, I really would be. Uh, but I'm kind of shocked time, in the way it's not going to air, you know? Yeah. And, and that could change. Cause again, you know, this is an article that's coming out, you know, May 12th. Well, let and... me ask you this. Do you think that, that would, the likelihood of that changing depends on ticket sales? Like if this thing, when the tickets go on sale tomorrow, tickets sell fast and say they sell out, yeah. does that give them more of an emphasis then to say, okay, we're going to put it on pay-per-view or we're going to do this because we don't have to worry about you know what I mean? Like if they had yeah. announced, like if say they had announced right out of the shoot, it was going to air on a streaming service or online or whatever. They they wouldn't, they, you know what I mean? People would have to make the decision about whether or not to go or to watch it on TV. Yeah. If they sell it out and they can't put another body in there, do they get more emphasis or more desire to then air it? Or even at that point, let's just say they, they sell it out. Yep. Right. Is it worth them then maybe letting it stream for free on Ring of Honor service or, or on demand on New Japan service or just on like the all in website putting a live stream? You know what I mean? Once they sell it out, what's what's to hold them back? I know. I and totally I say agree. once they sell it out, that's if they sell it out. But you you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and I definitely agree with that. You know, I think of it in terms, it's weird because, again, going back to the fact that I used to live in Indianapolis, uh, in Indianapolis 500, uh, they would only, it would be blacked out in Indianapolis unless the actual race was sold out. So you, if you lived in the city and you didn't yeah. buy a ticket to see the show and it wasn't a sellout, you couldn't see it until it aired on delay. Um, well, most like, and, NFL games work that way. There's local blackouts if the, yeah. unless it's a sellout, which right. makes sense. I mean, you know, especially if you if like say you're the Green Bay. Well, they're a bad example because they have a rabid fan base. But if you're the right. team in a, in a cold, if you're the Arizona weather, Cardinals. <laughs> well, I was saying Green Bay because the weather could be awful. True. But let's just say like you you're having temperatures of 15 below zero and everything. You might have people that decide to stay home. If they know it's not going to be on TV, they're more likely to go. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. And I think it is smart marketing. I think that there's every chance that, you know, if they sell this thing out ticket wise, that there is a plan in place to then potentially stream the event. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know as far as if they're thinking it would air on Honor Club or New Japan World or if they would just stream it on the website, if there would be a cost involved. You'd think that there'd have to be a cost involved just because, again, they're selling the tickets at a price that they're not necessarily looking to make a ton of money off of this. And even if that cost involved was like five bucks, I mean, come yeah, on, it's like, just added five revenue. bucks to see the stream, right? Exactly. Well, you, you um, have to figure, too, I mean, there's going to be production costs associated with airing it. You have to exactly. have TV crew, like camera crews, um, satellite, you have to do all that, so there would be an additional cost. But I think... Like, if they sold out the arena, if they put it on a streaming service, or even just, like, if, if you could buy it for 5 or 10 bucks, just say, even, like, the Fight TV, like, the Fight app. 
right. or something like Ring of Honor and just flip it onto your TV or something like that. I think they could make money. But I, I, would, I would totally understand that their priority right now is live gate. Yeah. Right. Well, and I think it's interesting well, because they're they're putting together a roster of talent that like you mentioned earlier, some of these people don't necessarily have the exposure um, that, you know, somebody like Cody might have to a more sort of, you know, casual wrestling audience. But the thing that also stood out to me in the Tribune article is that out of the entire roster, the two people that got talked about more than, not not more, excuse me, but in addition to Cody and the Young Bucks was um, Kazuchika Okada and Kenny Omega. And I... It does make sense, I think, from our point of view, but as, you know, someone that's trying to look at it maybe from a different perspective, it stood out to me just because it, I think it validates their standing in the wrestling world. And I had the ill-advised, unfortunate circumstance of getting into an argument with somebody on a message board this past week about Kenny Omega's profile in the wrestling world. And they were going on and on talking about how Kenny Omega wasn't as hot as he once was, that his stock has seemed to have fallen, that New Japan really missed the boat on him, and all this sort of stuff. And, I, and I'm, you know, I'm trying to wrap my head around how somebody could possibly fucking think that way. And I'm coming back with, like, facts and stats and talking about, you know, the fact that, like, at one point, Kenny Omega's name trended on Google, like, more than Chris Jericho's. You know what I mean? Like, like just pointing out, like, the facts of, of, of what actually has happened over the past two years for somebody like Kenny Omega. And then, of course, at the end of the argument, he's just sort of like, well, I don't really follow New Japan. And I'm like, what the fuck? If you would have said that to begin with, I never would have engaged with you because clearly you don't know what you're talking about. Like, if you would have just stood up at the beginning and been like, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm going to rattle off a bunch of shit yeah. right now. Like, yeah. I, I probably would have never engaged with the idiot well but here's I, the thing i mean i understand what he's saying to a little bit that maybe ken if you're not a new japan fan you just watch wwe or you know you don't you just even casually watch it you probably hear less about kenny like you hear kenny omega's name less right now than you did at last year coming off wrestle kingdom sure because of, you know but and i never argued stuff, that fact but that stuff, even no matter, I don't care who the wrestler is, that stuff is kind of sick. Uh, like goes in a, cy- uh, a cycle. Yeah, I tried totally. to use a word there and it didn't come out right, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, if Kenny Omega coming off that match at Wrestle Kingdom was huge, but then you've got to elevate other stars and you're going to have other people in the main event and, and it's going to rotate. I mean, if he goes out and has the match at Dominion, like we all think they're going to have, and especially if he wins. Yeah. Everything in the wrestling world is going to be talking about Kenny Omega again. Exactly. And you it's know, going to help to raise the way, profile for the Cow yeah. Palace. But I, I get what you're saying about those two names because you would think in a way, and it makes, like I said, it makes sense. You're right. It makes sense to us. But if you were not a, a hardcore fan or a fan of New Japan, you would think that the names that would gravitate the most are anybody that's a, a former WWE star. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So I get I get that. But You know, and I, I guess alternatively the thing is, another thing that I brought up when I was having this discussion uh, is that, you know, Kenny Omega and Kazuchika Okada have been covered by Sports Illustrated. They've been covered yeah. by CBS Sports. They've been covered... Like, Kazuchika Okada literally got covered in The Nation, which is a fucking political magazine. Yeah. The, the, the fact that, like, the notoriety of some of these guys has risen far beyond what we see... In 
most circumstances for even WWE talent says something. Now, obviously, you know, WWE is going to get more exposure like on ESPN and Sports Illustrated just in general. But the fact that you're even seeing somebody like Okada's name mentioned in these magazines or they're getting the coverage that Omega got, you know, that sort of thing, I think it, it speaks volumes about their place. And, and then with this Tribune article... You know, the writer even acknowledging the fact that, like, Kenny Omega is considered one of the best wrestlers in the world and is, you know, goes by the nickname the best bout machine and stuff like that. It, 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 I don't know, it just speaks to the level of awareness. And I, I think for some maybe casual fans out there, it, I don't, I hate to say it this way, but the truth of the matter is, I don't care about their opinion. And, and I don't, and the reason why I don't is because. Why should I care about someone's opinion who might tune into Raw on Monday and might maybe watch a pay-per-view every once in a while at a friend's house and thinks that, you know, that they're a wrestling fan and I get that they bought a t-shirt once upon a time or something like that and I get that they're probably a huge Stone Cold fan or a huge John Cena fan, but ultimately, why should I value their opinion about something that, quite frankly, we are much more aware about than they are. So no, I agree. Well, that would be like, like, okay, I, I love sports. I watch baseball, basketball, football, like religiously. Um, I am a casual fan of hockey. Mm-hmm. That would like, that would be like me going to Canada and telling a hardcore like hockey lunatic that I know more about who the best players are or I, right. you know, my, it, it just doesn't make sense. Um, and I get what you're saying, you know, but Sam, part of it too is, you know, New Japan not only, and the wrestlers within New Japan are not only growing their fan base in America, yeah. they, if you compare them to WWE right now, they're cool. Right. And, right, you know, right. like sometimes it's, you know, a perfect example is I live in a smaller town. I mean, Scranton has, I think, a population around 60,000. So it's not like a little tiny town, but it's not a big city, right? Sure. I can every day drive around. I'm telling you, I see more and more Bullet Club shirts. Mm-hmm. But not only, it started with Bullet Club shirts, but now we're on to Kenny Omega shirts. I've yeah. seen Marty Scroll shirts. And even here's like I've actually even when I go into the local hot topic, which is a small hot topic, and trust me, the only reason I'd be in there is because of wrestling shirts. <laughs> when I first used to go in, it was just Bullet Club shirts and some right. WWE shirts. Then they expanded. I can go in there now and buy a lo- like an LAJ shirt. They yeah. have Kazuchika Okada shirts and Hot Topic. Right. They're just cooler. I mean, first of all, and you can say whatever you want. I you know a T-shirt it goes a long way. Has there ever been in wrestling? been a cooler more iconic t-shirt than the the bullet club like the bone soldier one that everybody's familiar with like i mean the only the only the nwo shirt yeah i was gonna say there's two t-shirts there are two t-shirts that i could say would rival those that that shirt and that would be the nwo shirt the black and white nwo shirt and the austin 316 shirt no, I agree, but you're talking shirts that are how old, too. Uh, absolutely, so, I agree. We're but, talking about over like, 20 years. But this is, like, such a silly point, but, like, the Bullet Club is cool, but mm-hmm. when they ditched the original logo and went to that, they took coolness to a new level. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to me, like, it, it compares, like, like you said, it reminds you of the NWO, how the NWO got cool. And the thing about the Bullet Club is it's, it's some people, like, you don't want to go out in public wearing a wrestling T-shirt. Yeah. Some people look at you wear those bad boys out. People like look at them like like even if they don't know it's wrestling, 
That's a cool-ass shirt. Well, think about it this way, too. Think about the fact that the NWO was basically dead and buried like two and a half years into their run. Whereas we're five years into the Bullet Club. And while certainly you could argue that the popularity of the Bullet Club has really been within the past two years or so, it, it's really taken off on a global scale. Um, that, but what's trending the right way. Right, right. But that the fact that the unit itself within the pro wrestling world has lasted as long as it has and been as successful as long as it has, in my opinion, immediately puts the Bullet Club to rival the NWO, not necessarily for importance. I mean, I think that that initial spark that the NWO had in, you know, 1996... Changed wrestling forever. You can't, yeah, you cannot rival that. Um, but I think that the that the way that the Bullet Club storyline has played out, in particular over this past like year and a half, two years, um, yeah, it, it's a work of art. And, and clearly, those T-shirt sales, like you say, you know, the fact that you see them not just in the crowd on Raw, but when you're just walking down the street. I mean, I live in Chicago, and 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 yeah, I see Bullet Club shirts all the time. You know, if I go, and, and that's the other thing too, if I go to a AAW show or a Shimmer show or a freelance show, you know, any of the wrestling organizations that promote around here, I see tons of Bullet Club merchandise. You know, I see, I see LIJ yeah. stuff, I see hats, I see shirts, I see, you know, sweatshirts, whatever the case might be. So, I, I mean, yeah, there... There's a, a, a popularity and awareness uh, of New Japan Pro Wrestling in general that goes far beyond anything that we've seen yeah. before. If you if you turn, like, tune in on a Monday night and pay attention to the broadcast of Raw, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, there's as many Bullet Club shirts in the audience as there is oh, WWE yeah. shirts. You can't watch a single episode, especially if you watch like NXT or something. When they go to the hard camera, you can't pick at least a couple people that are wearing some sort of a, either a Bullet Club shirt or a variation of one. Well, and how or, many times? Well, you know, and how many times over the past six months have we heard the, the you know the two sweet chants and the ooh ooh chants and the, you know what I well, mean like the Marty Skrull stuff like it's like. And well, how about the the WWE themselves? Yeah. All of a sudden, ever since they did the cease and desist thing with the Young Bucks, but they've gone, and, and it's not like small stuff, they've gone out of their way to have a, uh, AJ or Finn and Anderson and Gallows do the two sweet and say it. Look at like, the, Raw, the Raw 25 when they had, uh, you know, DX meet up with, with Bullet Club OG, basically, with Carl Anderson and, and Finn Balor, and of course Luke Gallows is there too, and do the two suite with them. You yeah. know, it's like right there, it basically validates it, and the fact that now you've got, you know, these Balor shirts that are BCOG, it's like, yeah, it's Balor Club, sure, but that's basically just saying this is the Bullet Club OG right here. The and WWE, that's the other thing. yeah, has done everything in their power to market them as the Bullet Club, short of saying Bullet Club. I mean, God, right, one episode of Raw, <laughs> in, one, in one episode of Raw, Corey Graves slipped and called them Bullet Club. He did, yeah, which was which you is know, actually pretty hilarious. Yeah, but um, it just goes to show, though, if you tie this all into to the All In event. It, right. They're bringing that notoriety and that cool factor over. Then yes. you're combining it with the Young Bucks. I know they're in the Bull Club, but you know what I mean, like stateside. And it's going to give such a platform to so many of these indie guys that we know of and we enjoy, but maybe a lot of people, even people going to the show might not. So Absolutely. this has got to be like, this is to me, and maybe it's not the best analogy, it's like the WrestleMania of the indies or the Super Bowl of the indies. Like I, if you're I, an independent wrestler, you've you got to do anything you can to get on this card one way or another. 
I completely agree. And I think that, you know, speaking of some of the names that are on the card, like um, Chelsea Green and Deanna Parazzo, for instance, you know, to talk women's wrestling real quick, they're, they're both incredibly talented performers and, and, and in different ways, quite frankly. You know, Deanna is much more that sort of like uh, ground-based, submission-based, you know, sort of hard-hitting, feels legit kind of, you know, wrestler, whereas Chelsea Green is, is, is more like that sports entertainer. You know, she just, it, I mean, her, her stuff looks good, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to say that she's, you know, she doesn't wrestle well or whatever, but she feels much more of the sports entertainment variety as opposed to Deanna Prazzo, who feels like legit. They're both on that card. I mean, it's huge yeah. exposure for them, and by extension, it's huge exposure for women's wrestling independent of the WWE. Well, something I was going to talk about in a minute, I might as well tie it in. Um, you live close, like in Chicago, close to where the event is. There are billboards going up, mm-hmm. right? And if you look at the billboards, Tessa Blanchard's on them. Right, exactly. What, what a huge opportunity for her. Not an opportunity necessarily to wrestle a great match or whatever. An opportunity to expand her, I hate using this term, but expand her brand get her name out more, you know what I mean? She's going to have eyes on her wrestling a match that normally may not have. And like right. you talk about the women that are involved, you know, we still live in a society where a lot of guys don't like women's wrestling. Or I shouldn't say don't like it, but they're not going to go out of their way to watch it. Sure. But if they're watching this and they see some of these these great women wrestling matches, um, you know, it's, they're going to just get eyes on them that they normally haven't. Absolutely. Um, one thing I'm interested to see because I don't know, it's been a big topic on Twitter of late, is I wonder if they're going to do any kind of intergender matches, like tag matches. You know, it's funny you mentioned that, because what I was just getting ready to say when you mentioned the whole thing about, you know, a lot of men not necessarily appreciating women's wrestling, that you hear an even larger portion of that dissenting opinion being completely against intergender wrestling. And... I, for one, you know, I've spoken... Had, had well, this pleasure. is where we always differed. We always had a difference of opinion on this, I believe. Sure. I, and so so here's... Like, I'll just tell you my opinion about intergender wrestling. I, I, I'm fine with it, and one of the reasons why I'm fine with it is because at the end of the day, like, if you're willing to suspend your disbelief that, a, you know, somebody can run the ropes, if you're willing to suspend your disbelief, uh, you know... That the over, Undertaker's really a dead... Right. Or, I mean, you know, any, I get what you're saying. Anything in professional wrestling, then why the fuck not? And I think that a lot of it does come into gender bias, and I think that if you can get around that gender bias, that you can enjoy some really incredible stuff. I mean, there was a match between Tessa Blanchard and Brian Cage not too long ago at Wrestle Circus. It was a great fucking match, and if the only thing keeping you from enjoying that match is that you don't want to watch a match between a man and a woman, fine, that's your prerogative, but at the same time, it's like, you know, you buy Rey Mysterio can beat Batista, like, come on. Well, see, I've always differed from you. I... I've never been a fan of it. Sure. And my thing of uh, was I've never – it had nothing to do with the suspension of disbelief or anything like that. I always got an uncomfortable feeling, especially when we talk about issues that occurred. Like I know we, we actually yes. talked a little bit on Twitter about the Michael Elgin thing, right. um, the Rich Swan thing. So like it always left me an, an uneasy feeling that we're going to condemn you know, domestic violence, which we should. But then – pretend to do it in a wrestling match but you know what my opinion kind of changed of late and, and i was on twitter and of all people it was a tweet by joey ryan yeah and it summed it up for me and i and it made me think about it it said if you i i, I don't and i'm paraphrasing the people who think that intergender wrestling causes domestic violence are the same people that think vi- violent video games cause mass shootings yeah and I've always defended that they had nothing to do, like video games and, and violent video games have nothing to do with that issue. So it made me really stop and think. And you're right in a lot of ways. Like, it just depends on how it's done. You know what I mean? 
It does. But I'm more open to it now than I have been. And I certainly understand that point of view because I, I, I will say that there is a part of me, you know, as someone who's seen domestic abuse and, and, and you know, thinks that there's no place for it, that there, I understand maybe the uneasiness of seeing a man hit a woman in the context of a wrestling match. Like, I can completely understand that. Uh, you know, it's funny because I some of the intergender matches that I've seen, one of the things that they often play off of is the fact that the man doesn't necessarily want to, like, take it to the woman at first. That there is this idea of, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, I, I A, I don't take you seriously because you're a woman, and B, I'm not going to hit you because you're a woman. And then, of course, the woman then ends up just beating the living shit out of the guy and eventually the guy has no choice but to defend himself so he hits her so it's it's one of those weird things and and, and i completely understand that point of view of, of anyone who feels uneasy about it for those reasons and that's why yeah. i'm willing to say like look that's your prerogative but the people that don't necessarily want to see it because they don't believe a woman could kick a man's ass then what i really want to tell most of those guys is to go step into a ring with ronda rousey because yeah. I'm willing and, to bet dollars to donuts that a lot of people out there that follow wrestling and are wrestling fans, if they were to step across the ring from Ronda Rousey, they'd be tapping out in about 30 seconds. Oh, yeah. And, and we've always, you know, I didn't mean to bring up a different topic, but it just kind of played into what we were talking about. For Like I said, a lot of people, too, like me, it's not it's not a gender bias. Like I have nothing but respect for these women. And I know some of these, like, like I would not want to mess with Ronda Rousey or Shayna Baszler or a lot of like, and even the ones that aren't presented like as tough, legitimate fighters, sure. them are some tough women to go through yeah. that business, you know, and I wouldn't want anything to do with it. But, um, I just also want to make sure that like some people, it's not always that some people just, right. you know, cause uh, the other issues at play and, and I didn't mean this to go down a different path, but I thought it was definitely worth bringing up. No, I think um, so, too. I'm glad you did. Um, and not but, to spin the subject, but now I got on this because... Oh, I'm sorry. Did you have something you want to add to this real quick? No, 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 no. Actually, I was getting ready to transition, too, but what, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to transition to something else. Um, you know, a lot of this... We, I started talking about this because Tessa Blanchard was on the billboard. Yeah. And... Um, when I was reading the article about the billboard, there was also some all in or I'm sorry, um, some information that was going about Starcast. Yes. The podcast, cool. the wrestling podcast convention that's going out at the same time. Now, have you seen this interaction between about Vince Russo? Yeah. Now, I don't know. Maybe, you know, more of the story and to sum it up for everybody, Vince Russo, they tweeted out was going to appear at Starcast. Um, now, he's not going to be at Starcast and. Apparently, now, I'm not 100% sure. You've had more dealings with him. Is it uh, Conrad Thompson who's running StarCast? He is, he is yes, he's, he's one involved, of the people correct? that, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if they extended an invitation to Vince Russo without checking or just went under the assumption that there'd be no problem. But apparently, he's not going to be there. Then he put out a tweet that said, the, um, and I'm quoting here, the, abs- the absolute fact that I am ready, willing, and able to appear at All In while others are already attempting everything in their power to keep me from attending tells you just about everything you need to know about me and them, which Cody then replied to, we don't reward bad behavior, stay away from our event. event. Yeah. Which, so I'm going on the assumption that he's not going to be at Starcast. Which I'm kind of bummed out a l- about a little bit. I'm not a, a fan of Vince Russo in, in the way he books stuff. But, you know, there was a guy if, you know, and we're going to, I don't know what we can talk about. We, we're hoping, we were going to be there and hoping to get some interviews. Now, who we get, we don't know. I would love, to, even for just 10 minutes, to talk to Vince Russo. I, I think, like, and I'm not, like, the world's biggest fan, but I think some of the stuff that you would get in an interview with him would be outstanding. 
Here's what I have to say to that. I wouldn't, and the reason why I wouldn't is twofold. One, I don't know if I could believe a word that would come out of his mouth. And two, he's not nearly responsible for the things that he thinks he is. No, I don't think he's responsible for the things he thinks he is either. But you know, he was also, unless, unless we count the death of WCW being one of them. Yeah. He was also, though, not responsible, but he was backstage and in a creative role for a lot of the most pivotal angles and storylines in WWE history. And some of the things you would just like, like you put out a tweet that you would love to interview Dutch Mantel. Yeah. Uh, to me, it's the same kind of deal. Now I have more, way more respect for Dutch Mantel and what he's done in the business than Vince Russo, but sure. I just think some of the things, you know what I mean? And I'm yeah. not complaining that he's not going to be on the card. That's completely up to them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and there's so many people that are going to appear at Starcast that it's not like we're going to sit there and say, Oh man, if just if Vince Russo was here, man, Right. But, yeah, you know, I will say, I will say that it is, it, it, I don't know how to phrase this because I don't want to say it's strange or it's odd because I don't know that it is, especially with Cody being one of the guys at the top and knowing that there's friction because especially of the way that Vince has talked about Cody's dad and, and you know, and issues there. So I, I get it. But at the same time, I can understand why him being there would be good for the overall atmosphere of saying, look, we did assemble everyone, you know, and we didn't, you know, there is no one that was left out. And the fact that, you know, you are leaving somebody like him out. But again, I would just argue that, like, I just don't I just don't know what Vince Russo, quite frankly, could tell me. And I know that might sound horrible and, and completely arrogant. But the fact of the matter is, it's like he He's not, you know, again, he's not responsible for the things that he thinks he's responsible for in WWE. And I think at the time, WWF, I think at the time, the things that he was there for, he was, he was an, you know, he was an aider and a better. He was not, he was not the mastermind. Yeah, and, he was a yes man. He was chirping in, in Vince's ear. But yeah. let me ask you this about the situation. And, and I don't have an opinion either way, really. Um, say they didn't, Cody in particular, didn't want him there. But he didn't realize once he was already put out that he was going to appear. Should mm-hmm. he have just let it happen, or does it look like a bad look now the way it transpired after? Well, I guess the other side of this is, and uh, you know, I, and I'm not judging what he did. No, but you have to wonder too. I mean, fuck. For all we know, we're getting worked. I mean, I'm not saying that's the case. I don't think that that's the case, but. It is professional wrestling, you know. Yeah. It's it's one of those things where it's like, you know, it's work. It's the whole thing is work. So for all we know, we could be getting worked over this, and Vince Russo could show up, and it could play into some sort of bit that they do. Who knows? Mm, I doubt who it. Knows. I doubt it. But well, you know, that's my but, two cents on the whole Starcast thing. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I want to add. I want to add one quick thing to that: is that uh, tickets for Starcast will go on sale on Monday, correct? It's Monday the fourteenth. Um, and uh, yeah, what's the I time on so. that? Do you know? Because I don't have it in front of me. If you give me two seconds, because yeah. I'm bringing it up here. Um, I'm not sure if it even said the time. Let's see. I have the homepage up, so give me one second. Tickets go on sale May 15th. So what is that, Tuesday? Tuesday, Tuesday. Okay, Tuesday, at, May 15th. At, but it's a weird time to go out and sell at 8 o'clock at p.m. Eastern time. That makes sense because they're probably going to use you know, SmackDown as a vehicle to promote maybe or something like that. So. Yeah. You know, but, um, um, so that's when they go on sale. But but I will say this: that aside from the Vince Russo thing, I mean, they have definitely assembled an incredible, incredible roster of talent that's going to appear there and, and be doing special live podcasts and you know. Be well, there here for just just the one, just some of the bigger names that they announced that are on their website. So it's not like we're giving anything away because we don't know anything except 
what's on the website. But right. you have Bruce Pritchard, Eric Bischoff, Tony Schiavone, Cody, Colt Cabana, Jerry the King Lawler, uh, Matt Jackson, Sean Mooney, Nick Jackson. How about Macaulay Calkins going to be I there? I know, right? That's Dutch Mantel, uh, comedian Ron Funches. Diamond Dallas Page, uh, David Pinzer. Remember David Pinzer? Yeah, absolutely. Kevin Nash, Tully Blanchard. I love how Papa Buck, uh, Young Buck's dad's going to be there. Jeff yeah. Jarrett, Scott Hall, Teddy Long, Rod Simmons, J.J. Dillon, um, Jay Lethal, who, by the way, got hurt last night. So we don't know the severity of the injury, but he was replaced on the card coming up by, what was it, Sonata replaced him? Yeah, Sonata replaced him in a four-way that they're going to have tonight at the Royal Oak Michigan show. And I'm let's, assuming that Jay Lethal's going to be off the show that's going to be in, here in Chicago yeah. tomorrow night, which unfortunately let's I Let's hope not it's more precautionary. Yeah, let's hope it's more precautionary. You know what I mean? Yeah. How about um, Lex Luger? But you know who's going to be there that I would love to meet is Ming. Oh, yeah. I would yeah. love to meet Ming. Yeah, you Wade know, Keller, funny. Billy Gunn, Blue Meanie, James Ellsworth, and Hurricane Helms. That's what they have listed. So I got to be honest. One of the guys that I that I kind of internally popped big for was uh, was Scott Hall. When I saw Scott yeah. Hall was going to be there, I was like, ah, oh, oh, that's awesome. Um, and also, we should mention that in addition to all the star cast names, that CM Punk was announced for a signing at One Hour Tees on Friday, August 31st, the day before All In, um, and that there are, they're only selling 200 tickets. The tickets go on sale May 23rd. I don't know what the time is. I want to say it's 11 a.m. Um, I believe that's Central Time because... They're here in Chicago. Uh, yeah, so obviously the door is now open to speculate as to whether or not CM Punk is going to be at all in. Uh, I think there's a very good chance that he'll be there. Uh, like you and I were talking about prior to getting on the mic, I don't necessarily know that it's going to be in a wrestling capacity, that maybe he'll just be at the show. Um, obviously, if if they, if they really want to blow the doors off the place, then tomorrow afternoon when they do their press conference, Cody's going to announce that CM Punk is going to be wrestling. Um, but I, I don't, I, I, I don't think so either. Well, here's the thing. I think it depends a lot, depends on his UFC fight. If he goes out and loses his UFC fight, and I'm not sure he, the, his next UFC fights before all in, it correct? Is. It's in June. Yeah. It's in June. If he Here were to go Chicago. out in June and, and lose, but lose in the same manner, he lost his first fight. The likelihood of him getting involved goes up. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be in a full-on match, but the likely, more likely it becomes that he could get involved in an actual match and do something. Because he's under, only under UFC contract, I believe, for this fight. Yeah. It was a two-fight deal. If he goes out and gets beat up real bad, they're not going to resign him. So if he's not under UFC contract, I think, you know what I mean? Because if he's under contract with the UFC at the time, he's not going to get physically involved with, with anything. He might come out to the ring or get involved a little bit, but he's not going to get... Like, I don't think he's going to take any bumps or anything. Yeah. Where if he's not under contract, there'd be nothing holding him back. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be even in a match. Who knows? Right. But I think the, 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 his level of involvement can increase if he's not under contract. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And here's something. Here's, here's a bold thing that I'm going to say. I think Punk wins his next fight here in Chicago in June. I think that even if he wins that fight, that after that fight, I think he's done with the UFC. Now, that doesn't mean that he's ever going to go back to wrestling at all. Not at all in, not WWE, nothing. But I think he's going to win that fight, and I think he's going to say, I came here to do something, I did it, I proved it to myself, I'm out. And I could see him doing that for a couple of reasons, even the way that he treated you know, his wrestling career towards the end and just being like, 
you know what, I've had enough, I'm out, I did everything I wanted to do, I'm done. Like, I could see him winning that fight, realistically, because I think that the opponent that he has is not someone that is going to give him, you know, the same sort it's of fight. It's a hand-picked opponent. It is, it is. And, and, and the it's, first it's, guy it's, they threw him in there with Mickey Gall was a young kid who didn't have any fights, but he was a legitimate... Exactly. Guy, I think this guy, I'm not sure the name of the guy he's fighting in this fight, but I think this guy is more of a veteran, but has enough matches under his belt that we can see his record and he is what he is at this point yeah i mean he's basically if he's basically a reporter at this point like he's not even really a fighter he's basically a reporter uh who i, I think you're right i you think know. he's probably done with the ufc either way and the fact that they put him in with this guy is probably i don't want to sound bad but it, it, there's a good chance they put him in there and at least either let him get a win or if he doesn't he's not going to get messed up yeah, because Mike Jackson is the guy that he's fighting. Yeah. And so the thing is, is it's like, I, I, I'm not, again, I'm not saying, you know, for certain. I'm just saying that I have, I have a feeling that he is going to beat Mike Jackson. And when he wins the fight, he's going to say, I did it, I won, I'm done. Yeah. Um, you know, I could be completely wrong. Well, he, he could you never know with fight. him. Cause he it could be do... brutal, who knows. Point is, this though. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just saying, the point is, I think he is going to have some sort of involvement in All In. I don't think that well, One Hour Tease would announce the signing the day before All In if he wasn't. Well, here's the deal, too. I mean, if you look at, and, and I don't pretend to know Punker's mindset at all, but just from what we do know, if he was going to get involved with the wrestling thing, even if it's just a one-off, doesn't this seem more of the event he would because it's not... It's not besides not being a WWE event. It's not a big corporate like company doing this. It's the wrestlers themselves. Yeah, like, this it, would be off off the beaten track a little bit. That I could see him having a desire to at least show up to help them, or you know, just to, just because it's not like he would have to resign a contract or, or make a commitment. He would, it's in his hometown. He could just show up, have fun. You know what I mean? He's well, and, and yes, and he's good friends with uh, the Bucks, and 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 I think in addition to that, that he ended up becoming pretty good friends with Cody as well. There's you know that famous picture that they took uh, where it was like him, Zack Ryder, Cody, and uh, oh god, now I've forgotten who else it was. Um, but anyway, they took this this picture backstage, and it was basically you know subtitled with like this is the next generation, um, and, and and so I think that he and Cody you know have some affinity for one another. Oh, as well. it's uh, I think I have it up. Is this the one where you're talking about? Yeah, it's it's Cody, Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, Zack Ryder, um, well Evan Bourne. What is he going down by? Um, Matt Seidel. Matt Seidel, Beth Phoenix, and Kofi. Yeah, yeah. They so... all had title belts at the time. Uh, yeah, so I, I mean, I, I think that there are multiple reasons for him to be involved in some way um, with All In. I, I think, obviously, that, you know, the Young Bucks were probably very much of a mind that if we could get him in the ring and in for a match, we will have no problem selling this thing out. I think when they also announced there was there was every likelihood pointing to the fact that they would have Daniel Bryan in the ring. They were they were starting to work towards a Cody Daniel Bryan match uh, yeah. at all in. Like that was kind of part of the plan. Although one of the things that even Meltzer pointed out when Daniel Bryan announced that his you know that he was coming back uh, to the ring in WWE is that even even with the way his contract would have shaken out, that he would not have actually been available for All In. No, so that his even contract the, doesn't expire till later in the month. Yeah, it's like September, September was, 15th. Because he hasn't um, already signed yet. He has not. And quite frankly, with the way they've been treating him, I wouldn't blame him if he decided to not resign. Um, he doesn't need the money. 
He doesn't need the visibility. If anything, he could probably do more good, you know, going out uh, on the indies. How and, great would it be to see Daniel Bryan wrestle in a New Japan ring? I even think if that it's that's not a absolutely even if he, one of the places was, he would be. Because I could see him being involved with Ring of Honor and, th- and by extension, New Japan. Yeah. But we'll see. That's another topic for another day. It is indeed. It is indeed. Speaking, of, speaking of New Japan. Yes, indeed. That's what I was getting ready to say. We should, we should bring it back home. Uh, so... It, it, you know, one of the other things that's interesting, we're talking here about a show like All In, I think that it's worth devoting a little bit of time, very little, to the fact that Minoru Suzuki is having his 30th anniversary and is going to be promoting a two-day free outdoor show. Uh, the main event of day one is going to be Minoru Suzuki taking on Kazuchika Okada. Um, yes. I... I what do you think about that? I think it's, first of all, I think it's great yeah. that they're going to do the event. I mean, he deserves it. Thirty years in this business is a long time. You know, what I mean, in this. Listen to me in this business, in that business. Like I'm talking, <laughs> like I've ever stepped foot in a ring. Um, but it's it's great. And and I saw an interview. It was hard to get because it was translated. But it basically said he want if he was going to do it, he wanted to do it against a big opponent. He wanted to do it outside yep. and have it be that kind of an atmosphere. Um, you know, anytime you can have an event like that, whether it's in the U.S., it's there, whatever it is, it's fun. It's it's less serious and more fun. Yeah. And then you're on to something. I mean, people are going to enjoy this. People are going to have fun with it. And, I mean, you're in there against the perfect guy. Okada is – he can work any kind of match he wants to work. If they want to do a funnier match for the crowd, if they want to do – you know what I mean? Like, not that that's Suzuki's game. You know, he's a psycho. Right, but right. whatever they want to do. I mean – and besides all that, they should do it just to honor this guy. I mean, he devoted 30 years. He's worked how many different promotions, He, you know, and he's still bringing it. Let's face it. His last year has been as good as any, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it's funny, too, because I actually had a conversation with somebody probably middle of last year. Um, we were talking about Suzuki and talking about how it had felt like his year, like his 2017 was a little stale. And then, yeah, I mean, he just, he really picked it up towards the end of the year and pretty much everything he's done this year, I mean, has been, has been great. Um, yeah. He, and I mean, and, and, and to his credit, you know, he's not a young guy, but the way he works the matches, like the way his style is now and evolved to, it's a perfect style for him. Right. You know what I mean? Like he's not. You know, he's not trying to do things that he shouldn't be able to do. He knows what he can do and what he can't do. And, I mean, he, he has his character down to, to a T, too. Like, he's one of the very few guys in wrestling that he, he does such a good job of presenting himself as, as being crazy that if I were to ever meet him in a meet and greet, you'd be slightly nervous. And I know you have before. You yeah. didn't know what to expect. I didn't. I really didn't. But he was super nice. Not only was he nice, yeah. but he was so, like, he was laid back. Like, there's, I'm going to make an analogy that, that, I don't know, maybe won't make any sense. But it, it kind of felt like I was going to meet, like, a, you know, a jazz musician. Like, that's kind of just how he felt to me. Like, he was just kind of so chill and kind of laid back. And, you know, he signed the autograph. We talked briefly. You know, he, like I said, his English is, is decent. And, and, and then... Uh, when it came time to take the picture, like he was the one that actually took the picture. Like he was like, he's like, I'll do it. You know, he took my phone from me. He was the one that snapped a couple of the pictures with my phone. Like he was just, yeah, he was super cool and, and, and incredibly nice. And the interview that he does, which is on NJPW1972.com, by the way, in their news section, I believe it's still the top 
uh, piece of news that they've got up there. Uh, it's really great. It, it's not an interview. I'm sorry. It's, it's a press conference that they were giving for his 30th anniversary show. And so he takes some questions from the press. Um, and again, kind of going back to what you were saying when they're talking about why he picked Okada, he says like, you know, naturally, you know, Tanahashi's great. Of course, Naito's great. But I felt like having the opportunity to wrestle against someone who is literally like grown up and been born and is at the age he is now in the entirety of my career was and is at the top of his game was like too good of an opportunity for him to pass up. You know, that he wanted to do it outdoors and for free because he wanted there to be no barriers between people coming in. Like, it just, I, you know, it's one thing to buy into the character of Minoru Suzuki, which is easy to do because of the way he carries himself and presents himself in the yeah. ring, which is brilliant. But to hear him talk this way, it also reminds you of the fact that, like, the human being is a pretty fucking cool guy. Uh, yeah. And, and um, I appreciate video, that. There's a video, and I don't, I looked, it's not on YouTube. Somebody sent it to me once. I'll have to find it, and if I do, we'll tweet it out. Um, he must have done some acting work. Did you ever see this video? It's mm. the funniest thing, because he's doing funny stuff, and it's like bloopers, and he had hair on, like, a, <laughs> like longer hair. Yeah. It is hilarious, because it's like, it's, it, it's, it'd be funny no matter who it was, like, the, what the guy's doing. But to look at it and you think, oh, my God, it's Minoru Suzuki yeah. of all people doing this, like, funny stuff. But it's great. And I think the whole event is just great. If I find the video, I'll tweet it out. But, um, yeah, it's great. Oh, well, you know what I wanted to, to that, mention real quick? Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry, completely off topic, but I, I'll forget. Um, to the people that interact with this on Twitter, just so you know, um, when we tweet something or we get into a response on Twitter, it's usually always Sam. <laughs> and uh, once in a while, if I if I tweet something, you know, and I want people to know it's me, I'll put it's me. But just so you know, if you see a discussion on Twitter and then you see I, if I chime in or add to it, I'll do a lot of times under my own Twitter account. And just so people know that it's I'm at Cadillac Paul. So if you yeah. see that spring up, you know, it's me because there was one like where we were talking about. um I think we were talking about um, the Young Lions and somebody like it was when you we were talking about Oka. I chimed in that he was my favorite, but I used my own Twitter account. So yeah. if just so, and I know this that's silly, but if you see it come up, just so you know that's me. That's why I'm responding under some because Sam will usually almost always just tweet on the show's account. Yeah, because yeah. to be honest with you, Sam's much better at spelling, at grammar, well. and getting his thought thoughts across. So he does an excellent job with that. But well, no, I just no, wanted no, people no. to see. I don't want people to go through it and say, who is this Cadillac Paul guy that's always commenting on this? Well, that's me. No, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you did bring that up, actually. Um, and I'm and sorry to interrupt, but I just would never remember that, except that we were talking about Twitter. No, 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 it's totally fine. Uh, but I, but just going back real quick uh, to kind of wrap up the Suzuki thing, uh, I also wanted to mention the fact that, you know, the, the event for him, it, it has deeper meaning than even, like, you know, being able to put on this event to celebrate the 30th anniversary, being able to wrestle Okada in the main event of the night, you know, that... that uh, Kiyohei uh, Wada, who is a um, very famous referee from all Japan, uh, is actually going to be refereeing that particular match. And uh, finally, he is, you know, not necessarily explicitly, but certainly implicitly, like, dedicating kind of the event in some ways to uh, Yoshiro Takeyama, which I thought was really cool. Oh, yeah, I do remember reading... 
Because didn't he tweet out something like he he wanted nothing more in the world than to Takayama to be able to walk into the yeah. show? Yeah, yeah. And, and and you know he kind of amended the statement in the press conference by just saying like if 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 Takayama were able to stand up, um, you know he knows he can't be there, but if he were to be able to even stand up, that that would mean a lot to him. And I, again, you know I love I love Suzuki the badass. I love Suzuki the guy that you're thinking is going to rip your head off, but at the same time, it's nice to see Suzuki the human being, and 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 I just think that there's it, it adds to the respect that you can have for him, you, you know, and, and yeah. it, it says a lot. Um, and speaking of Takayama, you know, I, I must have missed this, but um, I know a lot of people, if you're newer to the product, most people who haven't watched New Japan until recently probably would be more aware of Takayama from his pride fight against Don Fry. Right. Um, Don Fry put out a real nice video. It must have been last year, and I never saw it, where he talks directly to Takayama about his injury. Mm, mm. Uh, if you haven't, I don't know if you've seen it. I have not actually. But it, it's fantastic. Like he he tells him how much he respects him and and everything. But it's it's and it's only two minutes long. So if you you know I, you know what I might even throw after the show I'll tweet it out. Yeah, it's a great. But idea. it's a great little YouTube video, and it's really respectful by Don Fry. Just. Things that pop into my mind while we're talking about these things. You know? Right, right. Um, so uh, leaping from there real quick, I think something else that's worth noting about New Japan Pro Wrestling um, is that Axis is actually going to be doing a three-hour special. Uh, or actually, I guess they already have done. I think it was last night. So um, either way, it's worth noting that they did a three-hour special uh, where they basically aired the in you know most of the April 1st uh, Sakura Gen- Genesis show, um, which I, I think is the first time other than the G1 special and Strong Style Evolve that they've ever done anything like that. Yeah, I mean, I know that, well, they did, um, they did do a special right after Wrestle Kingdom. They did okay. like a, a three hour. It was like because Wrestle Kingdom, I believe, was like on a Thursday. Uh-huh. That Saturday, they aired a three hour condensed version. It okay. didn't have all the okay. matches, but it had all the big stuff. But I mean, that's only two days later. This was. But here's a question, because I don't really watch a lot of the stuff on Access only because like if there's an event like I, I watch Strong Style Evolved or the G1 in the United States on it. But. Like a lot of times, their weekly show I don't watch mm-hmm. because I've already seen all the events. We watch them as they happen. Right, right, um, right. When they air something like that and they air like a three hour spe- special of Sakura Genesis, do they air it with the original English commentary or does Jim Ross and um, Josh Barnett redo it? I think they do it with, with Ross and Barnett, yeah. No, okay, they don't air it with the original from Don Callis and Kevin Kelly? No. Like no. I know when they do a live show, they do. And I know, like, when they do um, their weekly show, because it's more of a, like, a highlight, not a highlight show, but they highlight matches. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, they don't, you know. It might only be one there. match or two yeah. matches for the whole show, yeah. 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 So, well, now, speaking of shows, do you want to get to the next thing that's coming up? Lionsgate? Yes. Yeah. Um, Burn us up. Tell us what we got. If you're, you know, if you follow the show, you know me and Sam are big fans of the Young Lions. And these Liongate project shows are great um, because they're not overly long. I think we tallied it up once. Like, the actual in-ring action might be about an hour. Yeah. Most of the time. But, you know, I have a feeling this you, next show could be a little bit longer than that, but generally, yeah, it's about that. No, but it's not like you're not going to have to sit down and watch a three or four hour show. Right. Basically. And, and it's great. But, um, yeah, there's only five matches. The first match is, um, it's in, it has a 10 minute, uh, minute time limit, is Yota Suji versus Yuya Yumura. Yuma, oh, Yuma, 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 
I, I, everybody, if you listen to the show, you know I can't it's, say that name for the life of me. Well, but but does, does, in your defense, Paul, the thing is, is I've heard it. I've heard it, Uemura. I've heard it, Uemura. And I, I, I kind of am leaning more towards that Uemura, just because knowing what little, admittedly, I know about pronunciation, that seems to feel right. But again, I hear some people say Uemura, so. Whatever. You said you Amura, yeah. so you're, you're yeah, right we'll according to some. <laughs> yeah, according to some, wrong. Um, oh, and you know what? I, I did see real quick. I didn't get a chance to watch it, but if you go on New Japan World, apparently they have interviews with each one of these guys. Um, I don't yeah. know if they're subtitled yet or not. But I don't know if they are around. either, but I did notice that as well. I didn't get a chance to click on them, but um, it, keep, I'm going to keep my eye. I'm going to check them when we get off, but if not, I'm going to keep my eye open, eyes open to see if they do do it with English subtitles because I find it interesting. Um, the second match, they're going to give a 20-minute time limit to. It's Manubu Nakanishi yes. versus Tomiyoko Oka. My boy yes. Oka is about to be the sacrificial lamb to Nakanishi. I think that's going to be a damn good match, though, honestly. Oh, I'm sure it will. Yeah. And I think it's a good guy for Oka to work with because it's, it's uh, the same kind of style. And I, I could watch Oka wrestle all day. Um, yeah. Then we have a tag match for the third match, 20-minute time limit. Hiro Saito and Hiroyoshi Tenzan are taking on Taguchi and Ren Narita. An interesting spot for Narita to be in in this with three veterans like that. Right. But that's a good spot for him. Um, the fourth match you have, and I know Sam's real big on in Shota Umino. Yes. And he's taking on um, Daisuke Sakamoto, who I believe, yeah. is he a Noah guy? Uh, you know, for some reason I thought it was he may have been at one guy. point. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Well, you never know with some of these guys. They could be Kaintai Dojo. Like they bounce around a little bit, and it's hard to keep track. Um, but then the main event, and it was set up at the heels of Lionsgate Project Eleven. Yeah. If I'm not, is Yuji Nagata versus Iota Yoshida. Yes, I'm actually. I'm. I gotta be honest with you. I'm actually very excited about that match because Yoshida looked great in that tag team match that they had, and Nagata is legit just one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. So I, I am. I am without a doubt like stoked to see that. So that's Lionsgate, and that's going to air Tuesday. The and 15th. you know what? Daisuke Sakamoto is is a big Japan pro wrestling guy. Okay, uh, not all Japan or Noah. Um, so I mean, he's 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 wrestled for all Japan, um, but he is he's mainly a big Japan guy, which makes sense because usually with the. Um, uh, uh, Lionsgate? Yes, thank you. Perfect. Lionsgate stuff. Yeah. They're pulling people in from Big Japan. Uh, although he, I mean, he has wrestled. Like I said, he has wrestled for all Japan. He's actually helped well, the tag the team thing. There's so many. But... There's a bunch of promotions over there, and I concentrate mostly on New Japan. Um, yeah. So a lot of these guys, you can't, I don't know. Like you know, they've wrestled in all Japan at some point, but you don't know if they're still there. If they bounced over to you know different promotions, but yeah. yeah. And Sakamoto was actually a uh, a big name for WrestleMania weekend this past April because he was down in New Orleans with Evolve, and uh, I know Gabe Sapolsky, uh, who's the the promoter or booker of Evolve, uh, was very excited to bring him in. It had been a name that he'd been working on for a while, and uh, I can't honestly, unfortunately, I can't remember the name it's off the top mm. of my head that he that he wrestled. Um, but yeah, it, it was a big get for them, um, and they were excited to have him down there. Um, cool. So yeah, so I, I mean, again, Nagata and Yoshida, I think will be a fun match, and and I, I, like you were saying, if you got an hour, why not, right? Yeah, throw them on. They're they're fun. They're not, you know, what I mean, it's not like they're gonna have to sit there. Now, the only thing is, if I'm not mistaken, there's no English team. There's no English commentary. No, there's no English commentary. No English. So commentary. just so and you know ahead of time. Also, I went ahead and just checked out. I, I had it on mute here, but I checked out real quick the. Uh, 
Umura and Suji uh, interviews, they are not subtitled currently. Um, mm-hmm. But there, but there's some footage that's kind of spursed in that might be fun to see. So even if you're not necessarily, you know, watching it to understand specifically what the interviews are, uh, there's some some cool training footage there, which gives you a window into what the young lions. Uh, go through uh, at this particular point, uh, uh, you know, not their dojo days, but you know. Yeah. Um, and the only other thing I wanted to touch on before we get into the uh, best of the Super Juniors is just a reminder that um, Dominion's g- coming up, and yeah. you know there are some scheduled matches. So I'm just going to tell you who's who, what's confirmed already. Um, nothing's changed in the last week, but just so everybody knows, you have the title match which, between Okada and Omega, which is no time limit, and it's two out of three falls. Which is unique. I believe they were talking um, that that's never happened before. There's yeah, the been combination no time of the limit. two, yeah. yeah. And I actually got that off the Japanese commentary when I was watching the backstage with the subtitles. Yeah. And they were talking about it. Um, there's a 60-minute time limit uh, match for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship, which Tetsuo Naito defends against Chris Jericho, which could be great. You totally. have, um, the tag team titles are up. Evil and Sonata are going to defend against the Young Bucks. They're going to go for their first shot at the heavyweight. Well, since they moved up to heavyweight, they're going to go for their first title opportunity. Um, there's a, a triple threat match so far for the never openweight title. Goto, Hiroki Goto defends against Michael Elgin and Tai Chi. Um, and I can't believe I'm going to say this in that match. I wish I would be rooting for Tai Chi to win. I don't <laughs> think he's going to, but... Um, and the only other thing they have set so far is that Rey Mysterio Jr. is going to be on the card. Yeah. Now, they haven't announced against who yet. Um, oh, and we also do know that the winner of the Best of Super Juniors will take on Will Osprey for the title. Unless Will Osprey wins, then I don't know what will happen. But um, He gets to make his own match, basically. He gets, he gets yeah. to choose, yeah. Um, now, that's only, what, six matches? One, two, three, four. That's five. Now, we know we're going to get more. Um, I'm guessing there's a pretty good chance we're going to get Juice versus Jay White. Yeah, I think that could happen. You know, plus, well, that's that'd be six, and then the other, then the um, the junior title match would make seven. But we'll see how that plays out because you're still going to have to go through a couple weeks here of programming and the Super Juniors, and then um, now Dominion takes place before all or before the G1 special yes. in the U.S. So we'll see. I mean, that I, we both feel, and we'll get to this when we preview it in a couple of weeks, we both think that Kenny's going to win the belt and carry yeah. the, the, the belt into the G1 show at the Cow Palace in San Francisco. But we'll have to see how it all plays out. Right. But um, you, you got to figure, we're going to get a couple multi-man tag matches on this card and everything. It's, but it's starting to fill out a little bit. So, And just yeah. a reminder that Saturday, June 9th, and the nice thing is, with it being on the weekend, I may do the actual watch it live. Yeah, me too, actually. I'm thinking about yeah. it. I'm going to try. I might take a nap. And if we do watch it live, I'm sure we're going to be in constant communication. Yeah. In the, in the sure. early wee hours in the morning. But um, other than that, I think that's all I have for news and notes. Um, I don't yeah, know that's, that's, you have. that's it. I mean, you know, we, we've, we've talked a hell of a lot. But that said, I mean, it has been a fairly quiet week. You know, we, we touched a lot on All In and StarCast, which is normally stuff that we wouldn't necessarily cover. But because we're going and because Okada and Omega are going to be there, it just kind of makes sense to talk about it. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's nothing else, uh, I think, pressing as of right this second. Um, so what do you say we talk best of the Super Juniors? Best of the Super Juniors. I believe it's the, what, the 25th? Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, 
let me say now, and, and you are, we've clearly established that you are more of a fan of New Japan going back. I'm more of a new fan the last year and a half to two years. So I don't have a lot to compare this to, but if you look at the field for this, it's stacked. And there's some huge names in the A block, but top to bottom, the B block is stacked. Um, just so everybody knows, before we really get in, I'll tell everybody who's in the blocks. The A block is Will Osprey, Flip Gordon, Taji Ishimori, Yo, Bushi, ACH, Kanemaru, uh, and Tiger Mask. And then the B block is El Desperado, Chris Sabin, Taguchi, Dragon Lee, Sho, Kushida, Marty Scroll, and Hiromu Takahashi. That you block want to talk B, about some names, Jesus. Man. I mean, block B is like deep for miles not that not that block a is not great a, too it's not as deep oof. it's just more top heavy yeah there's some huge names at the top of a but b i mean is and and we're gonna talk each night and what the matches are but we did a little fantasy booking so just before as, we before we get there yeah, one ahead. thing i want to mention real quick about block b and, and versus block a is that in block a you have the champ and you know arguably the 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 you know the best junior in in the world right now just by virtue of him being the champ in block B you have historically his three toughest opponents in Marty Skrull Kushida and Hiromu like it's interesting because I feel like because what we've seen of Osprey and Skrull because of what we've seen with Osprey and Kushida it really does feel like block B is Hiromu's. That's besides the point, because we're going to talk deeper about that. Yeah. But, you know. Um, when Just so everybody knows, we went through, we didn't book it. Like, I, we did some fantasy booking in the sense that we picked the winner. Like, we went match by match and tried to pick the winner and figure out how they would finish in the block. So, we, you know what I mean? We're not booking storylines. We're just trying to figure this. And, you know, we're going to be wrong. But of it's course. just interesting to go back and look. And there's some, you know, you got to take some bold chances when you book this. Because you're going to have guys that historically the same as the G1 are going to lose matches that they normally wouldn't lose. Right. There's always some upsets in these. and uh, But you're right about the, the whole thing with, with Osprey. I mean, he just coming off the, the matches with Kushida, who usually had gotten the better of him until lately. Marty, until just recently, they, and even the announcers will say for Osprey, it's death taxes and Marty Scroll. Right, right. Like, he had his number. So I agree with you that that sets up, but we'll look because I have that block the way I looked, gave out the, like when I booked it, super co- competitive. I mean, I only have two points separating first place and fifth place. Okay. So. All right. So here we go. Uh, let's get into night one. We've got four matches. Uh, set them up for us. All right. All right. Well, night one is May 18th, and it's going to be live on New Japan at 530 Eastern time in the morning. So what's that, 4.30 Central Time? You know, and you could take it from there if you live in other time zones. Right. Uh, and it's from Cork and Hall. Um, and it's everybody from A Block is wrestling the first night. Um, we'll go uh, in no particular order. It's, you have Kanemaru versus Tiger Mask. Yes. Um, I decided I'm going to give that match. I have Kanemaru winning. Yeah, me too. Okay. We have Bushi versus Yo. Uh, I have Yo winning. Ooh, interesting, interesting. All right, I, 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 I'm, I'm gonna go bushy, but I like your take. I like your okay. take. The first night we also have ACH versus Flip Gordon. 
I think we're going to differ on this one too because I have flip winning. Yeah, I got ACH. Okay. Hey, so so let me just say just real quick, I think it's worth yeah. noting here that with Flip Gordon being his first, I do think he's going to do very well. I think we're going to see some some wins from him that might surprise people, but I also think that just because and I could be completely wrong about this, but I do think that there's something worth you know investing in the fact that ACH has performed for New Japan before, whereas this is Flip's first time out. I think giving ACH the win here makes sense, especially because I don't think ACH is going to get a lot more wins. So so that's, so that's what I got it for. I, I picked Flip because I, for, I think Flip's going to do unbelievably well in this tournament. I think we All differ right. a little bit. Um, but a lot of this, a lot of the way I came up with this too, and when you sit down, it's really difficult, is you have to try to figure out who's going to win each block and who's right. going to be right behind them. Yeah. Then you have to look at the last night of the show and try to figure out what, like, because they're going to, you know what the matches are, how it's going to have an effect. They're not going to go into the last night because the last night's the only night where everybody wrestles. Yeah. Without having some of these matches decide the block. And then you have to work backwards from all that. I can tell you, just to sit down and book this myself was like, and to think about this logically is a nightmare. I can only, all I can do is tip my hat to the people who do this for in real life and for the G1. Because yeah, no there are shit. so many moving pieces to this, and, and it never fails. You get down to the, and they have it like perfect at the end, like how it plays out. So kudos to them. Now, the big match of night one. Is Will Osprey versus Taji Ishimori? What do you got? Ishimori. I have a draw. All right. And I have a draw for a specific reason, um, and we'll get to that. I, I I don't think I I we'll get to that later. But I don't think he's gonna. I have a draw. Put it that way. Okay, I like okay. it. I like it. All right. So the next night. May 19th, also at 5.30 a.m. Eastern, 4.30 Central from Corken Hall. Now we have the four matches from the B Block. So we have Show versus Dragon Lee. Who do you got? Dragon Lee. I have Show. Okay. And I like the fact that a lot of these are going to be different. I do too. But we'll have a little bit of fun at who's, who calls it better. Plus, it just goes to show you, a lot of these matches are up in the air. You, you, know, you don't oh, yeah. necessarily know... No, looking at win. some of these was very, very, very difficult, without a doubt. I, I, I you know, I'm, my thought about show and yo is, is again, it's kind of similar to flip. It's like I have no doubt that they're going to perform well and surprise on a couple of matches, but I think that there's enough of a hierarchy there that it just makes sense for Dragon Lee to go over. Well, yeah, we'll see. But anyway, well, sometimes like I have matches where I have Dragon Lee winning a ton of matches, but I need, if you sit down and, and back do it, I need him to lose a couple matches, but it can't be to the people who you think or it doesn't work out. You know what I mean? When you book yeah. this. So, no, hey, man, you, I, 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 in this instance, I am willing to say that I am kind of more booking on the fly, whereas you have really thought this out, and I appreciate that, and I have no doubt. Which just goes to show that, you're going to you know, do better at this than I am. I don't I know spent, about that. Like, I spent a whole day. Doing nothing but listening to David Bowie music and trying to figure this out in my mind, and it was a nightmare. But uh, it I was fun. It. it was a fun nightmare. Yeah. All right. So the next match is El Desperado taking on Taguchi. I got El Desperado. I have Taguchi. <laughs> oh my god, we're gonna like split no. all of these. And, and, but you were saying some of these matches are incredibly difficult to call because yeah. they could go either way, and then right. some of them are really difficult to call because at the end of the way you do it, they don't really. Some of them aren't gonna matter. So right. you're trying to figure out like, oh man, I don't want this guy to finish with no points. Sure. So you're trying to figure that you know. All right, Kushida and Chris Saban. Kushida. 
I have Kushida as well. Okay. okay. Hiromu Takahashi versus Marty Skrull. Marty Skrull. I also have Marty. Beautiful. Because I, I figured Hiromu has to lose matches. He does. He's well, going to win think, the block. I think I have him winning the block too, which means, but I, I don't, like, if you look at the end too, we'll get to that. Like, he has to win at the end. And if he has to pick up losses, like, I went and looked at who the most likely scenario was. Yeah. And Marty was one of the two that I picked. So, I, yeah, but, I agree. I agree. All right, just, you know what, I'm going to mark these down just for the hell of it. For the first nope, night. please do. For the first night, you picked Will Ospreay to beat Ishimori. No, I picked you, Ishimori. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Ishimori. Mm-hmm. You picked Bushi. Yep. You picked ACH. Yep. And you picked Kanemaru. Yep, you got it. Okay, so we picked, all right, only one of them the same. Now, the second night, we both picked Marty. Yep. We both picked Kushida. Yep. You picked El Desperado. Yep. And you picked Dragon Lee. You got it. All right, I'm marking them next to mine so we can go back at a later date without having to find them in the show notes. Love it. All right. Then then they go for a third night in a row. Now, this is the first night where it's not going to air live. It's going to be video on demand. Um, right, but if I'm not mistaken, they're only giving us the tournament matches video on demand. It's not believe, going to be the full show. Yes, which actually, this is going to sound terrible. I wish they were all like that in a way because... <laughs> With the time differences, I'm not going to be able to watch any of these shows live. No. I'm going to get home from work and watch them, and then now it doesn't. Ha- I don't have to fast-forward or find them on the card. I can just access them. But, sure. And this is the first one that's not in Cork and Hall. It's in uh, Shizuko, S-H-I-Z-O-U-K-A. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. I don't even have it. It's not in Cork and Hall. It's not in Cork and Hall. Put it that way. Okay. We have Will Osprey versus ACH. I have Will Osprey. Same. Okay. Uh, Ishimori versus Bushi. Ishimori. I also have Ishimori. All right. Kanemaru versus Flip Gordon. Uh, Flip Gordon. I also have Flip Gordon. And Yo versus Tiger Mask. Uh, Yo. I have Yo as well. So there we go. We have a night where we all picked We went exactly the same. There you go. Okay, now they take a night off on the 21st, they come back on the 22nd, and they're back to being live at Cork and Hall, 5.30 a.m. Yes. Eastern. Okay, we have some, some cool matches here. We have yeah, we Chris Sabin versus Show. Chris Sabin. Okay, I went with Show. Okay. Because I actually think Show and Yo, I have each one of them finishing, like, in the middle of their block. Not in the top three or four, but, like, in that four, five, six range. Because uh, I think they want, my personal opinion, they want to keep them looking good, but they're not gonna, they're not gonna do that great because they're in a tag team. Sure. All right. Taguchi versus Dragon Lee. Dragon Lee. I agree. I picked Dragon Lee. Kushida versus Marty. Kushida. I picked Kushida as well. Right. And Hiromu versus El Desperado. I picked Hiromu. Same here. Okay. I don't want to constantly. I'm trying to rotate who we say first, so it doesn't sound like we're copying. Sure. <laughs> All right. Then they take another day off. They're back on the 24th, but they're, again, not in Corrigan Hall. They're in Shiga, but they're, it's on demand. So, and, and I have a feeling they're going to pop up pretty fast after it airs, like after it's done. Yeah, I don't think we're going to have any instances like we did with uh, Dantaku Night 2. <laughs> Put it this way. I get home from work at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm pretty sure that by then, when I get home, I'll be able to sit down and watch them. Mm-hmm. Okay, but May 24th, let's see what we got here. We got... We're back to the uh, A Block, the third night of A Block competition. Bushi versus Tiger Mask. Bushi. I also have Bushi. ACH versus Kanemaru. 
Who you got? I have ACH. Same here. Okay. We're chugging right along. Will Osprey versus Yo. Will Osprey. I picked Will as well. And Flip Gordon versus Taji Ishimori. Ishimori. I have a draw. Ooh, wow. All right, all right. All right. You want Ishimori. All right. May 25th. Again, it'll be on video on demand. We have, we're back to the B block now, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. We have Dragon Lee versus Hiromu. Hiromu. I have Dragon Lee. Okay. Because I needed Hiromu to drop points somewhere. All right. I got El Desperado versus Show. Show. I also have Show. So we're, let's see. We'll keep chugging right along here. Kushida taking on Taguchi. Kushida. I have Kushida as well. And Marty Skrull versus Chris Saban. Marty Skrull. I have Chris Saban. Yeah, yeah, that's a tough one. I, yeah, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm well, to second guess that call for a while. All right, but, well, the pro- and if you're sitting down, and if you haven't done this before, the problem you run into is if you have the guys win all the matches they would normally win, you'd have three guys clustered right at the top of the group. Right. So they're going to have to lose matches that, under normal circumstances, they wouldn't lose. Sure. So let me take a quick break right there, and I'll ask you, uh, so far, is there any matches that, like, jump out at you? Obviously, we're all pumped for night one of Osprey and Ishimori. Yeah. I, I mean, to that, get that match night one is amazing. Yeah. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to that. I think Kushida versus Chris Sabin could be... Uh, well, uh, yeah, and I'm looking the second night you have you have that match, and you also have Hiromu versus Marty. Exactly. Plus, exactly. I'm also kind of excited about the show Dragon Lee match. I think that could be well done. Well. Yep, I, I think you're right. I think I think you're absolutely right. I think Dragon Lee is gonna, you know, depending on how he's feeling, because obviously he had the um, um, the quad injury. Yeah. Um, but but you know, I, I I still think that he's always going to be worth watching. Um, you know, which could end up coming into play in the tournament. I mean, let's face it. I would never want this to happen. I wouldn't wish this on anybody. I have. You know, every hope that he is going to be in good condition and be able to wrestle the whole tournament. But if he goes out there on the first night and turns out he can't wrestle, everything we just did is shot. Right? Because well, because they'll bring in they'll they'll most likely bring in a substitution. I don't the, think they will. Only because if you look at I think it's two years ago, the first match I think it was Chris Saban injured himself, and they didn't bring in a replacement. He had to forfeit the rest of the matches. Now, that's not to say that's exactly what they would do again, but you know what I mean? Like, and, and think about it from this point of view. What a nightmare that must be if that happens yeah. in either scenario. If, I mean, like, I guess I would, if the tournament has already started, you're right. If the tournament has already started, it'd be different if Dragon Lee was like, I can't compete, you know, the day before the tournament's supposed to start. But you're right. If the tournament already starts, if he hurts himself during the tournament, he would. He'd have to forfeit the matches. But, but the, here's the problem you run into. If you, like, say, and, and I can tell you just from sitting down and doing this, if you have one thing that goes awry like that, it throws every other thing you've done into chaos. Sure. Because you have this set up. Like, I'm sure they when they set this up, they want these two guys are going to wrestle the last night because it's for the group and, and create this drama. Now, all of a sudden, it might not work out that way because the guy who, who got injured was going to beat one of them. Mm-hmm. Now that guy's picked up extra points. Like, you know, not that if somebody were to happen, it's better that it happened at the beginning of the tournament because they can adjust than, say, the middle. Right. But uh, 
But we'll see. I don't think they'd put Dragon Lee in there unless they were pretty confident he could go. Yeah, I don't think he would want to do it either. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's, and, it's worth noting that he was injured at one point. Yeah, and the other match so far that jumps out that I really want to see is Flip versus Ishimori. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah. I Just to see, you know, if for no other reason, I just think it could be a cool match. I think ACH versus Osprey could be a lot of fun, too. Oh, it's face it. Any of these matches could be a lot of fun. Yeah. But I'm definitely thinking that the top matches so far are the um, Ishimura Osprey, Hiromu versus Marty, and Kushida versus Saban. That's the ones I'm penciled in. I mean, Kushida versus Marty Skrull is going to be pretty freaking oh, awesome. Well, too, we can pick so. one every night if we really wanted to. But all right. So now we're on to the 26th of May, another yes. video on demand day. We're back to the A block. We have Will Osprey versus Bushi. I got Will. Yeah. Okay, so we're in agreement with Will. Ishimori versus Kanemaru. Ishimori. That's what I got. ACH versus Yo. Uh, I went with Yo. Yeah, I think I got to go with Yo on this one, too. Okay, and then you got Flip versus Tiger Mask. I went with Flip. Yep, same here. Okay, so we have a night that we all picked the same. You know what that means? That'll be the night where chaos ensues. <laughs> the next night, there's a, they're back to the B block. It's again on demand. You have Hiromu versus Taguchi. Hiromu. That's I agree with. Kushida versus Show. I went with Show. Yeah, I think you're right. I yeah yeah. It's just one of those like that, that to me screams upset because there's got to be some right because it's when you look at it if you look at just that if if somebody were like Kushida versus in a vacuum Show, Kushida but but you're right it's not in a vacuum and so you do have to think about in the the you know the tournament as a whole so yeah I think you're right I think it's and, it shows, and when they get into these tournaments yeah when they get into these tournaments there's any way they want to do it like if they want Kushida to drop the match they could simply have him get an injury in the previous match and still be a little banged up or something to make it look you know what I mean right there's so many different ways or they could be like a a fluke roll up out of nowhere and he stuns him you know what I mean and even speaking to the future you also have to think about the fact that show is literally the future of this division yeah. And I think that giving him the opportunity to get the win over Kushida in a in a situation that the stakes are not as high as they would be if it was an IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match, if we, you know what I mean? Like I think it's yeah. it's the perfect opportunity to give Show that win. So yeah, I, I think you're right. I think Show. Okay. Um, Dragon Lee versus Chris Saban. I went with Chris Saban. And I'm going to go with Dragon Lee. Okay. And then Marty versus El Desperado. I think I'm going to go with El Desperado. I went with a draw. Okay. All right. You've got three draws. Uh, I have more coming, too. Wow. That's not, bold. Not a, well, hey, go bold or go home, baby. Nah, there you go. All right. You know, the May 29th now. Yes. We have, we're back to A block. We have uh, Will Osprey versus Kanemaru. Uh Will Osprey. I agree. Flip versus Yo. I went with Yo. Yeah, I think you're right. Because I got Flip winning a lot of like matches here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's got to come down to earth a little bit. Right. Bushi versus ACH. Oh, uh, ACH. I-, I made this one a draw. You okay. know why? This is one of those. I made it a draw because when I got towards the end, I changed it because I didn't like 
Like I, I thought they each needed an extra point. Okay. So I just it's I know I'm gonna be wrong on that, but at some point you lock yourself in and I wasn't gonna redo the whole thing. Sure. Because I actually I tallied up all the points and everything, so I'd have to redo it all. Uh Ishimori versus Tiger Mask. Ishimori. I agree. Now we're getting close to the end here. We're gonna roll into the thirtieth. This is another video on demand. Uh Kushida versus El Desperato. Kushida. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, I agree. Hiromu versus Sabin. I have a Romu. Okay. Show versus Taguchi. Show. I picked Taguchi in this one. Okay. I think he's, he he's, sneaks a win out somehow. Sure. Uh, and Dragon Lee versus Marty. Uh, I went with Marty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll go Marty as, as well. All right. So we're on to the 31st. Um, let's see. And this is another day of video on demand. I have um, Yo versus Kanemaru. I picked Yo. I'm going to pick Kanemaru, actually. Okay. He's got to get a win, and I don't think I've given him one so far. I, I don't know. I think I've given him, like, one. I'm not sure. I, I mean, him. I, I have a feeling Kanemaru, that Kanemaru but... and Taguchi are not going to not gonna look great out of this tournament at all. I think that they're going to get beat more often than not. But I think if Kanemaru is going to pick up one, it kind of makes sense that he picks it up against Yo. Because, again, I think Sho and Yo... Their next year's tournament, they're gonna do a lot better. This year's tournament, I, agree. I just think they're they're middle middle at best. I have them both in the middle, and it's funny. Like I have Taguchi and Kanemaru towards the bottom of each of their groups. Yeah, which, which not, makes sense to me. The guy I have with the least amount of points in the whole thing is Tiger Mask. Sure, I get but, that. Yeah. All right. So we got speaking of Tiger Mask versus Will Osprey. Will Osprey. I agree. ACH versus Ishimori. Ishimori. I have Ishimori. Yeah. Bushi and Flip. I have Flip. I've got Bushi. Okay. Bushi. All right, second to last night. This is the last night where it's split. June 2nd. Again, this is video on demand. Kushida versus Dragon Lee. Kushida. I have Dragon Lee. All right. Okay. Hiromu versus Show. I have Hiromu. Same here. Marty versus Taguchi. I have Marty. Same here. Okay. And Saban versus El Desperado. I gave El Despi a win here. I got Saban. Okay. Now, we're going to go into the last night. But before I tell you, the way I booked this, okay, like if you go to the A group, I have going into the last night Will Osprey with the most points. I have Osprey with 11 points. I have Ishimori with 10 points and I have flip with nine points at the top. Okay. Now Will's going to wrestle flip on the last night. Yep. So the way I did it, I took, I'll combine them. I took Will Osprey versus flip. Who you got there? Will Osprey. I went with flip in an upset. Okay. Yeah. I and, could see that. I could see that. Okay. And in conjunction, you have Ishimori versus Yo. I picked Ishimori. Yep. Okay. If that the way I have it playing out, basically you would have to Ishimori would beat Yo, and Osprey would need would would then be a point behind with his match and flip upsets him. So that gives me Ishimori wins the group over by one point. You know what I mean? Because I'm looking at it when I looked at it, I think there's a reason Flip's got to be wrestling Will at the end. 
Mm-hmm. Like, and I, 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 it's got to come down. Like the other way, I was going to do it, it, it would already be wrapped up. So I like the fact that if one guy wins, the other guy's got to kind of a, a scenario. Right. Um, ACH versus Tiger Mask. I gave Tiger Mask a win here. Same here. I don't think I had given him a single point. Yep. No, same here. I, I did the same thing, actually. Kanemaru versus Bushi. Uh, I have Kanemaru, actually. I have Kanemaru as well. All right. All right, hold on. All right. Um, now that we're into the B block, you have Marty Scroll versus Show. Uh, I have Marty, Marty Scroll. Okay. All right, so let me just get this straight. You went with Will, I went with Flip. We both went with, with Ishimori. We went, both went with Tiger Mask. And we, do we both go with Kanemaru at the end over Bushi? Yes. Okay. We, and we both, you went with uh, Show or Scroll? Hang on one second. Um, I'm sorry, I got lost there for a second. No, so Marty Scroll versus Show the last night. Oh, I think I have. Uh, I think I have um, Marty Scroll. Hang on. Okay. Scrolling down right now. Yeah, Marty Scroll. Yep. Okay. Uh, Dragon Lee versus El Desperado. Oh, uh, no. Sh- I went with Dragon Lee. I think I did too. Hang on one second. All righty. I'm assuming you probably did. I would think you would. That's on that scream. Yes, Dragon Lee. Yeah, Dragon Lee. Yep, I would. Dragon all right, Lee. keep your spot there. We have two more spots. I know. Spots. Sorry, sorry. I no, was, it's okay. It, uh, Chris Saban versus Taguchi. I gave Taguchi a win here. All right, I got Saban. All right, and Hiromu versus Kushida. Now, the way I had this one booked going in, they both come into this match with eight points. Okay. And Marty came in with seven. So I have Marty winning to go to nine. So I basically have Marty at nine and Kushida and Hiromu at eight each with the last with this match being the last match. Yeah. And then I picked Hiromu to beat Kushida and win the group. And you are correct. Okay. Now the way I know you don't have all your point totals added up, but the way I got them is I have the A block being Ishimori with twelve points, Flip with eleven. Will Osprey with 11, Yo with 10. I have Kanemaru with 4, Bushi with 3, ACH with 3, and Tiger Mask with 2. Okay. I have this group kind of top-heavy and then weak at the bottom. The B group is way more condensed. I have Huromu on the top with 10 points, Marty with 9, Kushida with 8, Sho with 8, Dragon Lee with 8, Taguchi with 6, Sabin with 4, and El Desperado with 3. I mean, I have first and fifth place in the B group separated by two points. Nice. I have them, like, almost all of them rolling in. Six out of the eight roll into the last night in somewhat contention. Like, there would be a scenario where they could win the group. Yeah. But well, I think after all this is said and done, I think we both have the same people winning the groups, correct? Because I have the group A winner, Ishimori, taking on Hiromu, the group B winner in the final. Yes. yes. So we just went the longest path around the world to get to the same spot. Right, but it, but hey, I it's okay. worth, I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's it's worth having the dialogue about, and I think that one of the things that it, it throws the spotlight on, and it's the same thing with G one as it is with Best of the Super Juniors, is it gives us the opportunity to really see the way that the nuts and bolts of these types of tournaments work, and to see the schedule laid out in the way that it is. And you brought up a lot of good points about 
you know, for instance, bringing up that Flip and Osprey match on, on, on the last night, you're right. I mean, it's the perfect opportunity for Flip to go in and spoil things for Osprey in order to get Ishimori to the place where, you know, um, it's completely uncontested or whatnot. Now, I think Ishimori, like, I, I think Ishimori actually has a chance of going undefeated in the tournament. Um, yeah, I only have him with two draws. Yeah. I have him with a draw to Flip and a draw to Osprey. Yeah. And because I could see I, the draw. I so could see the draw to Osprey. I could really actually see that. I mean, you're you're kind of selling me on that. I don't. I don't think he's going to draw Flip. Well, I, I I took a chance there, but the reason I have him drawing Os with Osprey is because when this is all said and done, I have Ishimori winning the tournament and beating Osprey at Dominion, and I don't. There was no. I don't think there was, they were going to have him beat him twice. Yeah, well, and, and, and I guess that that's where we differ, because I have Hiromu winning the tournament, um, and honestly, I don't know if he beats, I don't know if he beats Osprey at Dominion. Um, now, I know, now here's an interesting take. I was reading some stuff earlier uh, on the New Japan Pro Wrestling subreddit, and a user did uh, come out with his reasons as to why um, Osprey would end up winning the tournament and would end up choosing... To face Rey Mysterio. Uh, yeah, at I Dominion. was reading the same thing. Yeah, but then somebody was commenting that they thought it would make more sense for him to wrestle Rey, Rey at the Cow Palace. I yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't think. I mean, again, I don't think Osprey is going to win the tournament. I think it makes much more sense, just storytelling wise, for Osprey not to win the tournament. Not because he's Am not I, their <laughs> champ and the best, but because he's banged up. We know he's banged up. You know, he just had that hell of a match with Kushida. He had well, that. Logic, logically, why would the champion want to go through this? Well. No, I know. But there's the prestige of winning it. Right. But, like you're saying, you're going to go through all these matches. Like, to me, and I could be wrong, I would think it makes more sense, and they've done it before when Kenny was the champ, the, the junior champ, to not put the champ in the tournament. Yeah. But if you're going to have him in there, I, I, I agree. I don't think it's good. I don't think Osprey's going to win. I think when we sat down, the only two people I think that have a legitimate chance of winning it, well, I shouldn't say legitimate, have a, have a good chance of winning it, are Ishimori or, Ishimori or Hiromo. Because I don't think Kashida's going to win and challenge Osprey after he just wrestled him. No. And I don't think Kashida's going to win it two years in a row. No. Um, I'm looking at it too. Like, I honestly, I would love it in a way, but I don't see Flip Gordon winning this. No. All right? I don't see Yo. I can't see Bushi or ACH or Kinemaru or Tiger Mask. So, basically, out of the first, out of the top group, the only ones that would realistically would be Osprey and Ishimori. If you come down to, and I don't think Osprey's going to win because he's the champ. Right. But, I mean, it wouldn't shock me. He's good enough and, like, built up enough to win it. But, you know what I mean? I mean, the B group, you have some more names, but I really don't think they're going to have Marty win this. No. Kushida, for the reasons I just say. And then you get, after that, you go down to Show, Dragon Lee, Taguchi, Saban, and El Desperado. I mean, if there was going to be a sleeper in this tournament, somebody who you would think no way they can win, and they do, it would most likely to me be maybe Dragon Lee if he was healthy. Now, that's not going to happen. No. But I'm just saying, if you put a gun to my head and force me to pick a long shot, it'd be him or Flip. But I don't think, I don't see either one of them happening. So, and I only have that draw because I have... Ishimori winning the whole thing and then beating Osprey. If I didn't have, if I if, if I thought he was going to win the whole thing and then lose to Osprey, I think he would just beat Osprey on night one. Well, I don't think he's going to win the whole thing, and here is why: I think they bring him in hot 
I think that he does beat Osprey on night one, which I think creates the drama of like he just pinned the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. I think he goes on to dominate his block. I think Hiromu beats him, and I think the reason why Hiromu beats him as the winner of Block B is because you you don't bring a guy in just to cool him off. But you also can't just bring a guy in and have him be a monster. And I don't think Ishimori is that monster. I don't I don't think he should beat Osprey to win the title. I don't think he should win the best of the super juniors. I, I, I think that he's great. He's an incredible athlete. He's a great wrestler. I think he's going to add a hell of a lot to the division. I think he's going to be a great bone soldier. I think that the Bullet Club thing is certainly good. we're going to see that come into play. Um, you know, I mean, one thing we haven't talked about is, is look, we, we we could have the opportunity to have a fucking you know Ishimori Skrull final, which is Bullet Club versus Bullet Club. You know, that yeah. could happen. Sure. Um, I mean, theoretically, you uh, there's a million things that happen. You could have Sho and Yo in the final, theoretically. Right. Well, but the thing is, is like, here's the thing. Skrull Ishimori makes a hell of a lot more sense and seems a hell of a lot more realistic than Show versus Yo in the I final. I just think, the best and of this, is, this is me, and, and I can be completely wrong. I think this show is going to set up and be one of those nights where it's all, where it's like the Bullet Club dominates. I think Kenny walks out with the title. I think Ishimori walks out with the title. I think the Bucks walk out with the titles. And I think it's the culmination in a way of this ongoing bullet club feud is that they kind of come together for the most part except because like you saw it in the last at um dantaku except for the kenny cody thing where they ran the rest of them seem to be starting to get on the same page i don't think necessarily ishimori beats osprey without help or some Mm -hmm. shenanigans incur like i don't think you know what i mean like i think they brought the way they brought him in i think they're setting this up they want to have the bullet club regain some of that momentum to really now, see, be the wrecking ball that they were at one point. And I, and I, I, I just think this whole storyline builds up to them at, at some point pulling a move like that. And if you watch some previous New Japan stuff, especially with the Bullet Club, it's not – they've done it before where they have like pay-per-views. Like the one year I think it was the New Beginning, they just dominated and won a bunch sure. of belts. Right. And they've done that with other factions. Of course. And I, and I, I don't think that that's too far off the mark. And I think that – the the only point that I would argue is just logically speaking, why is Bullet Club going to help Ishimori, the bone soldier, the new guy, win the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship when they didn't help Marty Skrull win it? You know what I mean? Uh, well, yeah. I, well, Marty had won the title. When Marty lost it at Wrestle Kingdom, you could already... St- well, I guess you're right, because that's before all the stuff happened. But it's just the way they brought him in, and he's more affiliated now with the Tongan section than he is the elite like right. you had Tom Otonga and I think and I think the reason is going to be because he's going to be more of like a full-time New Japan guy he is you're right and Marty Skrull is not anymore Marty Skrull no. is, is full-time Ring of Honor contracted employee he is not yes. a New Japan pro wrestling you know employee anymore he's basically a freelancer so I, I could see the de-emphasis on that and I, I completely get behind that I think he's still an and important part of that division but, I agree, but they just and they also put him with the Bucks right now with the the six man titles. Right, like I think they keep those through Dominion. So I think when Dominion ends, I have them having the six man titles, the tag titles, the junior title, and the heavyweight title. Because a lot of this stuff has been in chaos hands for so long. I think they need to, I guess, break it up a titch. 
I guess I, I can see I could look I could see Ishimori winning it and I could see Ishimori beating Osprey for the title, which would easily you know which would change my night one prediction because I, I agree I don't think Ishimori is going to beat Osprey twice. Um, but then frankly, I think it's more interesting if Osprey actually beats Ishimori. But then that means that Osprey's got to drop another match along the way, so maybe that doesn't. I don't know. What I will say is, I if that happens. Especially because they've got the six-man titles, I don't know if the Bucks beat Evil and Sonata. I I don't know. It's going to be interesting, and I also think, and this could, I could be completely wrong. I know he's a Japanese guy and he's new, but let's face facts that when they run these shows in the U.S., especially like uh, right before All In, they're going to run the show. You can say what you want, but they're a lot of ways Bullet Club shows, and that's not to knock. I mean. Kazuchika Okada and Naito and them guys are great, and a lot of the fans are there for that. But just watch when they, it's Bullet Club shirts everywhere, because the Bullet Club is the biggest, is the most popular faction in the United States. It's the biggest, like if you go outside of Japan, Bullet Club's the biggest merch mover, you know? And I just think it makes sense to have him come out with the IWGP junior title, but come out with, like, other guys with them, like a part of a faction. Like, look at what we just did. We're taking all these belts. You know what I mean? You know, as look, I, I, here's the thing. As someone that was, you know, at the Ring of Honor show in Chicago in October, as someone who was at the AAW show back in February, I can disagree with that up to a point because I know for a fact that the reason why people were there was not because of the Young Bucks. And would not, you know, it, it, Kenny Omega drew that crowd at the Ring of Honor show, and Tetsuya yeah. Naito drew that crowd at the AAW show. No, like, I, I understand I, that, but I'm I, just I saying. Think that the, I think that the idea that the Young Bucks would need to be champions in order to bring people into the building in the Cow Palace no, is wrong. No, no, no. I'm not saying the Bucks need to be the champs. I think they might give the Bucks the, the belts anyway. I'm saying it makes sense you know, as a faction to hold multiple belts to light to to show like to put a lot of momentum behind Bullet Club just because and if you take the, even like the G1 show in the US out of it just all all the storyline that's kind of led up to where we're going I think it makes sense to do one of two things it's either to get the Bullet Club almost all on one page and have them take over or to do that and then two months later have it all come out the bottom fall out from under them I would much rather it be that because here's 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 my sort of controversial statement I I think that in a lot of ways the bullet club as we know it is on its way out well we're gonna have to see but i think i agree to a certain degree um i think as we know it but i don't think the bullet club's gonna be gone no and i think i think the fact that too that uh, ishimori i think scroll would have got more if he was a full-time new japan guy um sure. uh, here's one a crazy scenario for you that i could see possibly happening I think when this storyline through all in and everything is all said and done, I think Flip Gordon's going to be a member of the Bullet Club. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah, sure. And I would sure. not if they if they do and they start taking over and dominating for a small stretch, I could absolutely see a scenario where Marty and Flip win the junior tag belts. Yeah, even okay. if they hot potato them for a little bit. Yeah. All right. I I just look at it and I think to myself the way that he starts to show up more on the being the elite show. And, like, look, you almost get the feeling that it's only Cody holding them back. But I just have a feeling that they're going to do, they're going to put Flip in that faction at some point. Especially the more he, he wrestles in Japan. Like, I'm not saying he's going to be in, in, you know what I mean? He's going to be over there more than he is now. He's still going to be a Ring of Honor guy. Right. 
and I thought he got a good reaction at the Honor Rising shows, and I think they're going to book him strong in this tournament and see how it goes. Look, I think Flip is really, really good. I think he's got a hell of a lot of potential, um, but I think he needs a little bit more before he's ready for the spotlight that you're okay. kind of talking about. Well, no, but do you really think putting him in as a junior, putting him in a junior tag match, even if it's not for the title, it's just in a junior tag team, is really this huge spotlight? Or is that no. a way to put him no, with the faction? You, look, I don't even necessarily think that him winning the, the, the titles with Skrull is a bad idea. I, I just think that going beyond that for the next year is, is, is not, I don't, I just don't think that that's the type of booking that they would do. I think that it, I, I, I just think that Flip is Flip is really good. He's extremely athletic and and he's very flashy. And they're going to love a lot of what he does. But I think that he's not quite there yet. But I agree. But I think a lot of the stuff that's going to happen with Flip, like joining the Bullet Club and everything, is gonna, most of it is going to happen in Ring of Honor. I and guess my gonna, thought is is how does he how does he join the Bullet Club with the fact that Cody hates him and thinks that he's uh, trying to sleep with his wife? Something's going to happen. There's so many different ways they can write this in. Let's just take your logic for example. Oh, not your logic, your idea. You said on the last episode that you think it's more likely that they kick Cody or Kenny out of the Bullet Club than Cody at this point. Okay. Mm-hmm. What if they what if they had a match for leadership like the losers out of the Bullet Club and flip screws Kenny over to help Cody somehow? Just because he wants to be in the Bullet Club so much. Or he does it because Brandy sweet-talked him into doing something. Sure. Which, then, can, I mean? which then could end up leading at some point in Ring of Honor, not New Japan because they wouldn't cross the weight class yep. more than likely, but does lead to Ring of Honor a flip-Cody match, which could be if pretty you, cool. If you have a Cody versus Kenny match, right, and the stipulation is Bullet Club's banned from ringside, and then Brandy, they're looking for an angle to get somebody to help them who's not in Bullet Club or something, and Brandy sweet talks flipping to doing something because he's infatuated with her. Yeah. He helps Cody win, and in return, Cody makes him a member of Bullet Club. There's so many different ways they could go with it, but most of that's going to play out in Ring of Honor. Right. No, I, I don't know. I, I agree, and I think that that is one of the things about the whole feud in general is that we're seeing it play out against you know multiple organizations, and 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 that there are a lot of ways it can go. I wouldn't be surprised if by Wrestle Kingdom, if 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 Kenny and Cody. You know, I mean, I could see both of them no longer being in the Bullet Club. Um, I don't know. I don't know. There's we'll a lot see. of food for thought there. We're just going to have to wait and see how it plays out. But there's some, we've thrown but out how some interesting great is scenarios. It? Kind of in summation, real quick, how great is it, though, that we're talking about the best of the Super Juniors and that ultimately it leads us to having a discussion like this because everything is so intricately woven through that you can actually see the way that the pieces are moving in a in a junior tournament match and how they are going to affect the larger scale picture of a bullet club civil war which is something that no other promotion on the face of the planet is doing well first of all it's amazing when you when you book for long term instead of instant payoff yeah and Let's give some credit where credit is due. They've booked this entire Bullet Club scenario now through two different promotions, an independent, mega independent show, and a YouTube show, all in conjunction. Yep. Kudos. 
Right. We're going to have to just see where it goes. And it could be a classic. It could be some classic matches. Classic? And speaking of classic, yes. Oh, my goodness. Paul, look that, what you that just was did. The worst tri- yeah, that was the worst segue ever, but I'm trying to get it. A- <laughs> I loved it, man. I loved it. All yeah, right. let's talk our classic matches. Let's do well, it, Well, we brother. have three of them. How, which way do you want to go? Should we you start? stick with our normal way of, of going um, chronologically? Why not? Or do you want to go? Okay. I think chronologically makes sense. First one chronologically takes place August 5th, 1996. This was Sam's pick. It was the Great Sasuke versus Ultimo Dragon. Now, a uh, little backstory before we get to the, the match itself. This was for the J-Crown. Yes. Um, the J-Crown was actually, they had eight different titles that yep. they were going to merge into one. Um, just so everybody knows, I'll even tell you because it's real quick. There were the British Commonwealth Junior Heavyweight Championship, which was from Michinooka Pro Wrestling. It was the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion that we know, okay? Yep. Um, it was the NWA World Junior Championship, which was part of the NWA, obviously. Um, CMLL had the NWA World Welterweight title. Um, Universal Wrestling Association Junior Heavyweight Championship. Um, War, which was Wrestling and Romance, and then Wrestling Association R, their Junior Heavyweight title. The World Wrestling Association's Junior Heavyweight title. And in a weird weird way the wwf light heavyweight championship yeah because the wwe or the wwf light heavyweight championship basically was retired in wwe in a way and it was just a new japan belt yeah it went to japan and it you had it's the weirdest scenario ever but you have eight belts and they're held by eight different men so how do we combine them we have a tournament with those eight champions which actually is an awesome idea it is. It really you know, is. If you really, if you had eight viable promotions that wanted to do this, to think about how awesome that would be. Right. But so the first, just to, to get to before we get there, there was it started at the quarterfinals. You had um, Mashiyoshi Motegi, I guess I'm terrible in pronunciations, who was the uh, NWA Junior Champ, took on the Great Sasuke. Great Sasuke at this point held the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champ. Great Sasuke won. You had Grand Hamada. Yep. who was the uh, World Wrestling Association light heavyweight champion, took on El Samurai, who in the, was the WWE or WWF light heavyweight champion. You had Jushin, and uh, El Samurai won that. You had Jushin Thunder Liger, who was, had the Michinoka Pro, uh, Pro, the British Commonwealth title, took on Ultimo Dragon, and Ultimo Dragon had the uh, war belt. Um, Ultimo Dragon won, and then you had Negro, uh, how do you say that? Negro Casas, Casas, who was the CMLL junior champ, or welterweight champ, took on Shinjiro Otani, who uh, at the time was the Universal Wrestling Association junior champ. And Shinjiro Otani won. So the semifinals, you had Great Sasuke beat El Samurai, Ultimo Dragon beat Otani, which gets us to where we are now. Yes. Just so everybody has the backstory, because if you watch it, you're going to see at the end of it, like the eight belts and everything, which is crazy. No, I'm glad, you, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you did that, actually. because Well, it gives yeah. you a little bit of historical context as to why the match matters, too. Right, and and historically speaking, you know, the opportunity to even do something like this had really never existed before, and quite frankly, hasn't really existed since. So, I, I and the one context of, the of that, right? The, the context only thing of that's that, even remotely close right now, and it's not, but is the fact that you have Austin Aries holding multiple championships across multiple promotions. Right, that's about as close as you could get to it, but. For the most part. So we get to this match. Um, it's a 13-minute, 56-second match, which is a nice little sweet spot. It's not it overly is. long. Um, now, I will say, not... 
yeah. just to preface that though, um, that the match could have very well been booked to go longer than the 13 minutes and 56 seconds. Oh yeah, um, and, and nobody would have complained. But sometimes no, but, I, I'm of a firm believer that uh, I would rather see a match go shorter than it could have, but pay off than go longer than it needs to and drag. Right. But what I mean is, is like it actually literally was possibly booked to run longer, but it couldn't because at one point in the match, Great Sasuke literally fractures his skull. Yes. Which I, I didn't write down moves, but I got to that point. It's amazing that either one of these guys walked out because at one point it looked like Ultimo Dragon was going to break his leg. Yeah, yeah, with the, with the uh, C Moonsault. And, and yeah. one other thing that I do want to mention real quick before we kind of talk about the match yeah. is that uh, Dave Meltzer Your did... match, bud. Well, Pick Dave Meltzer did talking. rate this uh, four and a quarter stars. Um, and, I you know, we don't necessarily talk ratings very much, and, and, and that's just not our thing. No, that I think, said... I think in the classic match... Uh, segment it's a little bit easier to do yeah because these are this is a match from 20 some years ago it's interesting to see how they rated it at the time as opposed to a knee-jerk reaction to a rating of something we just watched last night right and i gotta say that four and a quarter stars seems right to me like i you know after watching the match it's like yeah that that just feels right Um, not that i'm a rate giver but anywhere from four to four and a quarter makes total sense so let's just so let's just talk about the beginning of the match here real quick we've got this great feeling out process yeah you know, I, I even wrote that there's just there's just like one sequence where they are going balls of the wall and it's like counter, counter, counter. Yeah. Like everything one guy would do, the other guy would do like they bounce off the rope. You do an arm uh, like a, an arm or hip toss. The other guy would bounce right off, right back and do a hip toss. Like it was crazy how fast they were doing it. Right. And then they get to the they, they do that where then they, they do so many moves. They get to the point where they stop and look at each other and, and the, the crowd, crowd pops. pops. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, how- I know it's a tried and true method of doing something, but it, the way they do it is worth watching. And and how crazy is it that that those first five minutes or so are so fast and mat based that that it picks up even more in intensity yeah. after that? So it's like you're getting all these reversals, you're getting all this stuff, and then all of a sudden it goes to a different level. And Ultimo, oh god! Like you like, said, it's only thirteen minutes fifty six seconds, but there's a lot crammed into that right? fourteen minutes. Oh yeah, and that's the thing too. Even with the injury that we know came out of the match and with the possibility that maybe they went go you know they went home early even with all of that like it still feels complete kind of like what you're saying um but yeah ultimo has this incredible and 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 if there's anything you want to mention that happens before this please you know feel free to jump in but has this incredible moment where sasuke's on the outside he goes and gets ready. It looks like he's going to do, you know, some sort of springboard dive. Oh, he, yeah, and he goes he, backwards. Moonsaults back into the ring and then jettisons himself back out with a suicide dive. It's and crazy. It is. And then jumps back up onto the apron, hits his namesake, Asai Moonsault, and the, it is one of the sickest-looking Asai Moonsaults I've ever he, seen for two reasons. One, like you said, he almost breaks his leg. Yeah, yeah, but he's, he winds up when he's done with the moonsault. I don't even know if he could plan it this way. He's sitting in a chair in the front row. Yeah, and he didn't get. He didn't stand up and sit down. The end of the moonsault results with him sitting in the chair in the fir- over the guardrail. And how sick does Sasuke look? Like bent over the rail. Like if somebody had told me he broke his back, I would have been like, yeah, of course he well, did. And right before that, there was a cool <laughs> spot where I think it's Sasuke goes for a moonsault, a springboard moonsault in the ring. Yes. And when he does it, Ultimo Dragon drop, drop kicks, kicks him, him right in the middle. Yeah. yeah. 
And it um, looks like, it almost looks like he doesn't, but it almost looks like he just lands right on his head. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it has what every great Sasuke match has, a botch at some point. Yeah. Like, Sasuke does some crazy moves and pulls them off, but he always seems to, in a move, slip or slip off a rope or whatever. He did one move and he just fell. Yeah. Like, and you can see, like, the timing was all thrown off, but he overcomes it. It's like, it's the funniest thing. Um, so he does the moonsault. It's crazy. Then Sasuke does one, and he winds up going flipping over the guardrail. Yeah. When he does the move, he does an Asai moonsault to the outside. So these guys are going all over. Then we get to the to the horrifying part. Yeah. Um, you want to explain oh, this? Real quick. Well, before we get there, one yeah. of the things that I do want to say about Sasuke's moonsault is that this is one of those things that sort of breaks the suspension of disbelief, but I have to mention it because, you know, with my background as an actor and having done fight choreography and that sort of stuff, you know, you always sort of, and, and obviously being a fan of pro wrestling, you hear about, like, protecting your partner, you know, being there for your partner and, and you know, that sort of thing. When when Sasuke does his moonsault, you can, if you're watching, you can see this beautiful way that Ultimo, like, literally protects him as much as he can right up until the last minute when he kind of lets him go when he does that moonsault. And it's just a beautiful thing. And it's just sort of like, man, that's what makes a guy like that a great professional wrestler because he's out there getting clobbered with this move back up against a rail. And he makes sure that he follows through with the, you know, the whole moment in order to make sure that Sasuke lands properly, as opposed to just like taking the hit and just, you know, whatever happens to Sasuke happens, which is really beautiful. Um, It's crazy. But then we get to this point. So, Oh man. So, so basically, let me preface this by saying I'd never seen this match. Yeah. I didn't know anything about this match. So I'm sitting there and I'm watching this and, and you explain the move and then I'll tell you my reaction to what, so at this point, Ultimo is out um, on the floor, and Sasuke goes up to the top to do his senton, you know, dive from from the corner uh, out into uh, the outside of the ring, which we've seen him do stuff like this before. But the way that he lands... He, it was wrong. It was wrong right from the jump. Yeah. If you watch it, he doesn't get off the ropes, like the, the turnbuckle well, right Because it looks something. like his left foot isn't even like... It, it looks like he gets ready to push off, but his left foot misses the rope entirely. Well, he missed something. So he, so he basically does this flip over, and it almost ends up looking more like Ultimo power bombs him on the ground almost. But what happens well, I, oh, well, is Before you explain what, what the injury was, I'm watching this with no idea, right? He hits. I'm like, oh, my God. He's like he didn't just break his uh, fracture his head or break his neck. Yeah. It turns out he did. Yeah, because he basically he basically, instead of like, you know, hitting Ultimo and then kind of, you know, falling to the ground or instead of hitting back and shoulders first or anything like that, he basically just smacks the back of his head right on the floor. And you can hear it. Yeah. Oh. And he fractures his skull. It's awful. And then, and like the, the crazy part is that's not the end of the match. No. Because they get back in to, to go, like, and you said they go home early, but they, they do some more stuff in the ring. And you could tell too the first time you're watching this. And if you're, now that if you're listening to this and you're going to watch it, you understand. When he does the move, what's he put him away with? He puts like a Frankensteiner or um. Yeah, well, and before he gets there, one of the things is that, that Ultimo like ties him up in this La Mistral cradle, and it's really great the way the crowd buys into it and thinks that that's going to be the fall. But Sasuke kicks out. Then Ultimo goes for the power bomb. Sasuke hits the Hurricanrana and gets the the one two three. But it's not a one two three. No, it's not. <laughs> this is another major botch here because I don't know. 
if the like, and I don't know how this came to be, but if you watch, Ultimo Dragon kicks out at two. Yeah. So like, I don't know if Sasuke's told the ref he needs to end this thing, and somehow Ultimo Dragon doesn't get the message. Right. Or if there's just there's obviously a miscommunication at some point, and it's really bizarre because when you watch the match take place. The second it happens, you do a double take. You're like, wait a minute, he didn't count to three, and the audio instantly cuts out. They like just edit to the to the after match sequence. Yeah, it like it's so abrupt. So there's definitely a screw up. But for, so we're talking about where Sasuke slipped, Sasuke broke his they broke his uh, fractured his skull, and they screwed the ending up, and it's still great. It all adds to the charm of this match. Yeah, like saying you're getting all this in a shade under 14 minutes, bell to bell. Right. It's crazy. Like. But this match, like you said, probably went home early because it went three minutes shorter, or at least two minutes shorter than both of the semifinal matches. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. And and I don't necessarily even have a problem with a sudden finish. You know what I mean? Sometimes no, I mean, no, we've no. talked about this before. Sometimes no, I, that just could, adds to it. But yeah, but you could tell this was an unplanned sudden finish. Yeah, they're not all on the same page at this point. No. And um, so now that we got the match, just a little history too. They went through all this effort to combine these titles, and it lasts, like, 11 months. Because you have a situation where there's, they're actually going to defend the J-Crown now. Yeah. you got Ultimo Dragon becomes the title, and then what happens is he's wearing the belt. And if you go back, if you have the WWE Network, if you time it right, you or like find the right dates, you can actually go back under WCW stuff and see him wearing it. Yeah. Um, when... Um, because he also was the WCW Cruiserweight Champion, and he held the, the both belts. Yeah. Um... He lost in June of that year, which wasn't much longer. In June of 97, he lost the uh, the war junior heavyweight title. Right. So they kept, instead of being an eight-title belt, it became a seven-title belt. And then, uh, it says here, five months later, the WWF was going to uh, ready to create a light heavyweight division. And apparently, they didn't even realize they didn't have the light heavyweight championship belt. Yeah. They didn't know they didn't have the belt. The belt, it says here, the belt had been used in Mexico for the Universal Wrestling Association and for New Japan Pro Wrestling. So the WWE demanded that Otani, who was the current J-Crown champion at that time, had to give the belt back. And I guess, I'm reading here, he did in November of 1997. And on the same day, he vac- they vacated all the titles except the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. Yeah. So that's how the J-Crown goes from... If in a long, long way, it took eight belts, merged them to one, destroyed seven, and walked out with the IWGP Junior Channel. Right, that's what I was just getting ready to say because in a way, it's kind of this brilliant thing for New Japan. Not that it was necessarily intentional. Yeah, they inadvertently destroyed seven other titles. Right, and and elevated theirs by saying that like our guy Shinjiro Otani is basically the the rightful holder of all of these titles. Um, and yeah. and you know your your belts mean nothing. Which let's face it, you look around today, and that's true. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. you know, wrapping it up, I, I picked well, this well, match. Once, yeah. Once he, I'm sorry. I was gonna say once he, Otani get like basically just gives up on the other seven titles. How can these, these companies can't take them now and start building the, the, the NW or the IWGP title ch- or champion just pissed on them. Exactly. He's like, yeah, these belts don't matter. So, which for somebody yeah, like sorry, Otani kind of makes sense. Cause Otani, you know, ended up having that attitude that sort of, you know, fuck yeah. them all attitude anyway. Um, 
But yeah, so I just wanted to say I picked this match for a couple of reasons. One, I wanted to I wanted to throw a junior match out there because you've done a couple, and and I felt like uh, Ultimo Dragon is somebody that I, I've always loved and appreciated his work. Uh, clearly, this is a match he loses, but I think the importance of this match establishing you know the Super J Crown, uh, the the injury that Sasuke incurs, but even before the injury, the stuff that these guys are throwing at one another and the way that the match is kind of built, like it's it, it's it's a really cool match, and I think it's worth seeing. And I was glad that we had the opportunity to talk about it. Yeah, it was awesome. I for somebody like I said, I had never seen this match, and I knew really nothing of the match going in. I mean, I knew who the wrestlers were, right? But other than that, I, to be honest with you, I didn't even know there was such a thing as the J Crown oh, yeah? title. I had a like, no, I didn't know. Okay, well, I, I didn't watch New Japan back then. Um, I, you know, I may have seen it when I watched WCW, but not realized what it was. Yeah. I mean, we're talking, this was going on in August of 96. To be honest with you, this is when I had taken a pretty big dip from watching wrestling. I had just graduated high school. I was only like a couple months. I was going to start college. So, like, my mind was in a million places at this point. It wasn't until, because this was um, August of 96, I really didn't get back into wrestling until for another year when I went to college and the whole, um, like, NWO thing started. That's what piqued my interest back in. So this was kind of, like, in a dead time for me. Sure. Where I wasn't really watching. So it was nice to go back from a match from that time frame. But I really appreciate it because I learned a little bit of history about the what became the IW, which started as the IWGP Heavyweight Champion. Chip destroyed seven belts and returned. <laughs> so now I know, you know. And there you have it, folks. There you have it. So there's that great match for the action, great match for the botches, and great matches for history. Okay, so the next match we have chronologically would be um, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kazuchika Okada at the New Beginning in 2012. That's right, February Um, This was my pick. Uh, The reason I picked this was obvious is that we had just got done seeing what we think is going... Well, we don't know if it's going to be the last chapter between these two, but we think it's the last chapter of the way it is. Like they might meet in the match again, but I don't think it's ever going to be for the, with those stakes and that level. Yeah. But um, so I picked this because this is kind of where it started. Um, for people that don't know, um, and we touched on this a little bit last week when we were talking about the matches. Um, Kazuchika Okada was a young young lion or a young boy, whatever you want to say. Got sent on an excursion, went out to TNA. TNA didn't know what to do with them. They they screwed that all up. Okado. So, Okado. He's at the Green <laughs> Hornet sidekick, Okado. So he comes back from excursion, and his first match back, and, and please, if I'm wrong, it wasn't his very first match. I, okay, you don't have to land base me on Twitter. Um, but I'm pretty sure his like, first match, his first big match back was at Wrestle Kingdom that mm-hmm. year where he wrestled Yoshihashi. Yoshihashi, and it was terrible. And, yeah, and I haven't seen the match, but... From everything I've read, there's no reason for me to see the match except to see how terrible it was. So you had this guy who was a young, basically a young boy, had just come back, had his first match, and lost. And it wasn't that he, or I'm sorry, he didn't lose. I think he won, but it was a terrible match. Yeah. Somehow, and I'm not sure because if you try to go back, it goes from one event to the next. I don't understand how he got the title shot. Well, he challenged, he challenged Tanahashi at the end of Wrestle Kingdom. He All came right, out. He I, came out at the end of the show and was basically okay. just like, you know, I don't respect you. Whatever, give me the belt. I'm gonna beat you. Yeah. You know. Okay. So he gets the title shot. So you know, 
this match sets up, if you don't know any better, it's like one of those main events where they're going to take a guy who's younger and they're going to put him in with the champ and he's going to have a good showing, but he's not going to be good enough yet. Yeah. You know how they do that a lot? Like, and, and this is a bad comparison, but they just did it with Zack Sabre Jr. Now, Zack is not a young, just coming back from being a young boy and everything. But when Zack had the match with Okada, you kind of knew he wasn't going to win. But it was about making Zack look like he belonged at that level, which he obviously they did a great job because he, he does. But th- you would think this match is to, make, to elevate Okada, but there's no way he's beating Tanahashi, right? Right, right. And that's how everybody feels. You know, you can tell too. Now it, the match itself is great. You can watch it. it goes back and forth. The, you know, there, there's places where like I, multiple times Tanahashi goes for a high fly flow. There's reversals. They, he loves doing a, uh, the tombstone. You know, they go back and forth. Uh, one spot that they did was, which was eerily reminiscent of what they just did, was Tanahashi hits him with the high fly flow, but it's on his back. Yep. And when he does the, when he rolls him over to, to do it again, he puts his knees up, and they did the exact same sequence in the last match at Wrestling Dantaku. Um, but they go back and forth. Um, Okada goes for uh, it, it gets to the end. Okada goes for the Rainmaker. He ducks. Uh, Tanahashi does, but he winds up reversing it and catching him with a wicked ass Rainmaker. Like, and Tanahashi sells the shit out of it. He goes flying. Yeah, and at this point, and Tanahashi's I, already like bleeding from the mouth, and yeah, yeah. So you get like, and then he covers them, and I still think people in the audience and everything thought he was going to kick out of this. Yeah, because not only the people in the audience, I'm pretty sure by the fact the look on Yuji Nagata's face at ringside, I think Nagata. Yeah, I don't is think like, they let them in on no, it. No, Nagata's like got this look on his face of like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> yeah, like you get the point, the feeling that maybe the only the only three people out there that knew what were going to happen were the two wrestlers in red shoes. Right. But um, but he counts the three count. And, and if you watch it, you can watch behind the crowd is in like disbelief. Yeah. You know, and it's an amazing, amazing like match to watch and, and to watch. And, it, and you don't know when you're watching it that, OK, like what this guy is going to become. Now, this was his first title reign. So this isn't the one with the 12 defenses and everything. He lost the belt back. But this is the beginning of the Kazuchika Okada era. Yeah. He just Japan. This is where he held the belt. If I'm not mistaken, I think he held the belt for about four months. He lost it at dominion back to Tanahashi. And he only had one defense in between there. And the defense actually was against Naito. Yeah. Yeah. So it is a very interesting reign for him. You know, I think it legitimized him as being, uh, you know, somebody on the top of the card. And yet at the same time, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily them saying like, this is the monolith that, you know, we have today as Okada. Yeah, well, you're right. And he held the belt for 125 days. He held it from the new beginning show that he won to Dominion. Right. He made two title defenses. Okay, two. Okay. Um, yeah, he made two successful title defenses. I'm not sure who they were against, and I'm not really going to go look them all up. Sure. But, um... I know one was against Naito. Yeah. He loses the belt back to Hiroshi Tanahashi. Hiroshi Tanahashi. Yes. He keeps the belt till Invasion Attack, where he loses it after seven defenses. Goto was the other defense, sorry. Okay, yeah. He loses the belt back to Okada. Okada has the belt for a second reign. Um... He doesn't hold it that like he holds it for a lot longer in the second reign till he starts losing to AJ. Then they hop. They don't hot potato it by normal wrestling standards, but by the own, it bounces a little bit because you have the title go from Tanahashi Okada style, Tanahashi style Okada. This, those three guys kind of have a stranglehold on the title for a while till Naito gets into the mix. But that, that was, you know, it was out of his three reigns. I want to say it was his shortest. 
It, it definitely was because his reign now is the longest. His third reign was 280 days. His second reign was 391 days, but his first reign was 125. Yeah. Anyway, he made two defenses. Right. But it is the beginning of the Okada era. It is. And, and, and I think that one of the things that I love about this match is the story that gets told just within the first couple of minutes. Because the like when the bell rings, Tanahashi, the look on his face, the way he's playing to the crowd, he's so confident, it's almost to the point of being smug. And... And Okada has this look on his face, like just the way that, like he, you know, he's a little taller than Tanahashi, just physically, and he's kind of like looking down at him, and it's, he, he's got his chin up a little bit, his his lips are kind of pursed. It's like this idea of just like, you know what? I don't care. I don't. I don't really respect you. I, you know, I'm defiant. I'm. I'm gonna. You know, I, I'm. I got this. But there's also this element and it could honestly just be the real element of the fact that Okada this is the biggest position he's ever been in in his career this isn't necessarily even the act this is the real human being here where he realizes yeah. I have to beat you I have to show this crowd that I am one of the best in the world and I am worthy of standing across the ring from Hiroshi Tanahashi yeah because nobody at this point thinks he's worthy enough for this. No. <laughs> like, and I don't even know how to put it into terms. It'd be like, you know, well, I, I guess the closest thing I could say recently was how Jay White came back uh, from Excursion, made his, came back and wrestled at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. Um, and what most people thought wasn't the best match. If you turn around and beat Okada to win the title, the next, like, we'd all be like, What? Yeah. Really? You know, well, so here's it's the kind thing. of on that level. Here's, I, I went back because, you know, I, I mean, look, let's face it. For an American wrestling fan, it's a wonderful source of uh, and resource. Uh, uh, so why wouldn't I do this? I went back to The Observer from February 20th, 2012. And even Meltzer writes, Kazuchika Okada went from being a masked character off a comic book in 1960s U.S. television show to a major world champion in a short period of time. He later wrote, The general reaction in Japan was negative to the change. Okada looked pretty green, even though the match itself turned out to have the feel of an excellent world championship match. It's, you know, even Meltzer at this point is not sold on Okada. Even, you know, even he's just sort of like, yeah, you know, I, this this kid comes back after this shitty run in TNA and now all of a sudden he's the champion. But I think that even Meltzer would say, and, and has said, quite frankly, even in his latest issue when he covered the match that they just had, he talks about how, you know, the, the beginnings were here at this match, how the story that they started telling six years ago led to the payoff that we just got at Dantaku. So I... I think that a lot of the fans and the wrestling community at the time was just like, what just happened? Um, but, it, but, but again, watching the match now, and, and even though Meltzer said that, he still rated the match four and a quarter stars. So watching the match now, you do feel the fact that it's the beginning of this story. And I'm not going to necessarily say, because I don't know, but yeah. even though... You know, there are long-term booking plans. I'm not going to say that Ghetto had six years in advance planned out. Like, maybe he had a dream in his head for how Tanahashi yeah. and Okada, the rivalry, would work. But 
it is such a perfect beginning, and there are so many spots that would end up becoming iconic in their feud, you know, and it's not even stuff that they didn't, that, that Tanahashi, anyway, had never done before, like the hi-fi flow from the top to the outside, or, you know, or Okada's tombstone outside the ring, you know, I mean, there was just so many, there are so many elements of this match that they have played off of and have paid off of for the past six years that it, it, I think that people at the time seeing this match in 2012 and judging Okada based off of what had come directly before, like no one would have been able to understand how important and monumental this match would be. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no way you could have known. Right. No, you know, no, it's, it's, and, and to be honest with you, I, I mean, I wasn't thinking all this through when I picked the match. It was just a nice way to show the beginning of the, the their not only their feud and rivalry, but the Okada era compared to where we are. Because we both feel like he just made his last title defense of this reign. Yeah. Um. So it was interesting. It, it's, I mean, it's great to go back and watch. I mean, it's like going back and watching, uh, I, this is a bad example, going on the network and watching like Hulk Hogan beat the Iron Sheik. Right. Just one of those moments where it changes the, the landscape of the company. Yeah, without a doubt. And you don't realize to what degree it's done it in, for until years later. Yeah. So, but that was that match. Yeah. Which, you know. And it's, so you now, know, and again, I, I think it's definitely worth watching. And, 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 and I think that, uh, I mean, four and a quarter stars is still a hell of a fucking match. You know, it's, it's a great match. Only in New Japan Wrestling, we look at something at four and a quarter star and say, well, you know, but, right. <laughs> you know, it's still like, it's, it's an amazing thing. It's almost like if it's not a five star match, it's not any good. And that's definitely not the case. No. So, that said, speaking however, of, yeah, speaking the next of great match. matches, and this was Wilfred's pick. Yeah. Which um, we should picked, mention, by the way, I, we should have done this at the top of the show, and I apologize. Yeah, I, I forgot. You know, Wilfred was supposed to join us this week to talk about the best of the Super Juniors. Unfortunately, he's very sick uh, to the point where he actually had to go to the hospital, right? You talked to him last. I, I don't know if, well, I don't know if it was a hospital or a clinic or whatever, but I, I guess he was pretty dehydrated he's he's not doing so i mean not life-threatening or anything he'll get over it but i guess he was sick and he got dehydrated and he just wasn't able to do the show with us tonight which we're bummed because we were really looking forward to having him on there with us for another voice um another set of opinions about the super juniors but i did send him a message so i'm sure either next week or in the in the immediate future we'll have him on if it's not necessarily to talk about the super juniors we'll get them on to talk about uh dominion yeah. or whatever or all or um the g1 show whatever it is we're gonna have them on but the the most important thing here isn't the super juniors it's that he just you know gets better rest up and uh relax absolutely so 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 yeah wilford will wish you the best and, and, and hope you're, you're feeling I, better you're soon right. i don't know why we didn't mention that earlier in the show i kind of just we just about we, it. yeah we just got we got started into other things we're terrible hosts either way um but yeah so all that said yeah i mean we're we're thinking about wilford hope he feels better soon and this is his pick uh for our classic matches it's kyle o'reilly versus Kushida, the best of the Super Juniors finals for the year 2015. It's a four and three quarter star rating from Dave Meltzer. Um, I think that's low. Yeah, right? <laughs> First of all, kudos to Wilfred. I've never saw this match either, and wow. You know, I I, I don't think I'd I seen loved it. it. Honestly, it, it, it's... Because, I, look, I, I'll be the first to admit, like, I got I got gaps. I got big gaps in my New Japan knowledge. You know, you, you give me a little bit more credit than is due sometimes 
Um, well, you know more than I do. Sure. And, and, Which is kind of the charm of, uh, of this podcast is we're guys that we're like, we're not experts on New Japan wrestling by any stretch of the imagination. What we are are very loyal fans now. So, which is why I love the the classic match section. Yeah. Every week somebody picks matches, it forces me to like go back. I shouldn't say forces me, but it it gives me the motivation that I need to watch a match because sometimes you have a lot of other things going on, and I'm always glad I did. Right. Especially this one. So, a couple of things that I want to say real quick is that uh, this is the type of match. Watching this match, like you understand why so many people think of Kushida as one of the you know best wrestlers on the face of the planet. Additionally, it also is a wonderful example of why me personally, I have been a huge Kyle O'Reilly fan um, for probably the past four or five years. And and this match is is, is probably, you know, some of his best work. Uh, you know, I, I got turned on to Kyle O'Reilly um, through some of his New Japan stuff, which I did see, uh, and, and then also uh, some of his uh, PWG stuff. Uh, here in, in the United States, uh, there's a match he had with Zack Saber Jr. a few years ago that is is just. I mean, I saw that match and I was like, "This is this is what I've been missing." Um, but anyway, all of that said, um, they go for like you know over 30 minutes. Um, yeah, I was surprised at the length of the match because I'm going to be honest. Like, I watched it today. Um, I usually put off the classic matches until like right when we're going to record because I like them being fresh in my mind. Totally. And um, we were we actually had to start recording a little late because when I fired it up, I didn't realize how long of a match it was going to be. Right. And 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 I didn't want to like try to jump through it. I wanted to watch it in its entirety. So, but uh, I I loved even the entrance. Yeah, they, like Kushida, like I know he has the Back to the Future thing. Yeah. But this was the most I ever saw. Like they had the video of him. He's driving a DeLorean. Yeah. It, like it's just like it's it hooks you right from the beginning. And they've got it like there's what? there's video of him when he's like a kid and he's doing like moon salts yeah. and like yeah, it's great. It is, and it's just like and this is before the match even starts. Like you're hooked in now because it was so well done. But I don't even know how to describe the match. I mean, I'm not gonna go move for move or anything. But it was just like. Every time you think one guy had the advantage, the other guy would do something. There were some great spots. Like, the one that jumps out to me the most is when they're up on the turnbuckle. And uh, Kyle O'Reilly, like, kind of, like, it's hard to explain, but he jumps off while doing an arm bar. Yeah. It looks awful. It, it, well, and it was because it was at this point in the match when Kushida suffered a concussion and yeah. basically forgot the rest of the match. And so Kyle O'Reilly had to basically walk him through the rest, which is... Even more of a testament to how great the match ended up being, where you've got a guy who's kind of a little, you know, loopy at this point, and still has the match that he has. Um, I mean, and there's so much going on too. There's so many people ringside. Yeah, like I, I get a kick out of watching this. The screaming and antics going on by Bobby Fish is great. Bobby Fish is there. Zack Saber Junior's there. I mean, yeah, it's. it's I think, like, is there, like, I, it was hard to tell at one point. Like, there's even nine juniors out there. At one point, I thought it looked like Hiroki Goto was out there. Now, that could very well be. Now, it's also interesting and worth noting that at this particular point, and I, I, I mean, I think he still does today, but um, but at this particular point in time, uh, Jushin Liger had taken over the booking of the junior division. So, this is this is a Liger-booked match. Um, and, and man, I, I mean, there's so much stuff that they do in this match that is, it, it it makes sense because it builds off of a lot of what we had seen in the 90s, for instance, of the juniors and, and takes yeah. it to a new level. Because 
you know, you got to remember that unfortunately for the bulk of the early 2000s, the, the junior division was really, I mean, marginalized. And they did not get the spotlight that we're starting to see them get more and more these days. You know, but that decade was kind of a dark time for the junior division, especially coming off of the 90s, you know, the, those early mid 90s runs when the junior division, you know, honestly rivaled the heavyweight division for for, for being well, the better quality division. Yeah, if you look at a lot of the matches that we pick in the classics have been junior matches, but a lot of them are from that from the, the mid 90s mm-hmm. when when it was at its heyday. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so you don't you don't like you're saying you you don't get a lot of them from like say the the early two thousands. No, no. Um, and 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 I think that the thing that makes this match stand out a lot in some ways is that there's so much ground based grappling early on, and it's beautiful. I mean, there is some stuff that like Kushida is doing where. Um, He's rolling through holds and transitioning and like riding O'Reilly's back and like you know just all sorts of great mat action that that feels very alive in the same way that we talk about like Zack Saber's submissions and how they feel alive because of the way that he's doing transitions or adding little things here and there. This this is like that ground game that feels very alive. Uh, you know O'Reilly clearly has that sort of MMA approach with his strikes and and, and his grappling um, and and it just makes the whole thing feel very real. So that when they do start. To to bump it up a notch and it does start to get into sort of the more traditional kind of like you know fast paced uh you know flippy shit kind of stuff if you will um that you, you know you're already so sold on the match that you just can't wait to see what happens next and they never forget about what brought them there in the first place which is working over the arms they're both still yeah. selling the arms they're both still targeting the arms and it plays into the finish and it's just such a beautiful beautiful story the way that they tell it yeah, no, it's it's so well done, and I mean, we, we you really should watch this. If you you know, I can't think of too many people that are going to listen to this podcast that don't have a, have a New Japan World subscription. Right. So you have this subscription. It's more you have it for more than just watching the live events. Go back. I mean, especially if you're new to the promotion, because a lot I know we do have a lot of crossover. A lot of people are just wrestling fans. They're also watching WWE and, and NXT and everything. So if you're not super familiar with Kyle O'Reilly, there's a great way to see what he's capable of doing. Yeah, without given, a doubt. Given time, yeah, and you know, so and what in addition he could be to not only NXT but eventually WWE. You know, and you you you'll understand too. Like we, you don't hear us talk about it on the podcast, but Sam and I are both huge fans of the Undisputed Era because we love Adam Cole, O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, and Roderick Strong. And this is just a little like even Bobby Fish isn't in the match, but he adds to the match at ringside. Yeah, yeah, he really does. I mean, and the thing is, is he the drama of it? It's not like it's one thing to have a guy standing on the outside of the ring making a fuss and making a commotion or whatever. But there is something about the way. There's one point where he's like, you know, crouching down next to O'Reilly, and he's like, "Come on, Kyle, you gotta get up, you gotta get up," and it feels so freaking real. And and, and yeah. it's just like it, it's great to see someone play a part that way um, because he's not it, out the whole yeah. He, the whole match, though, you get the feeling from all of them, that, like like it's not just work. There's real stakes to this. Yeah, totally. Like there's there's a reason for them to want this badly. You know what I mean? There's an intensity. It's not like you said. It's not only just that. Like the wrestlers, the the seconds on the outside and everybody involved in it. It just they sell it that like this is 
that important. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, you know, two spots that I want to mention real quick that I really loved in this match is that there's one point where Kushida goes for a hoverboard lock. He can't get it in. Kyle O'Reilly transitions into Armageddon, which is his, his arm bar. Yeah. But he can't get it. And and it's just such a great transition. And then at one point, shortly after the like I mean almost immediately after this, Kyle then jumps up onto Kushida for the guillotine uh, uh choke, and then at that point it's beautiful because Kushida transitions it back into the hoverboard, and then there's that rope break, and it's just like that whole sequence is just so beautiful. And, and and again, it's like what you're saying. The stakes feel so high because neither one wants to be caught into this compromising position, but they're going to go for, you know, their, their, their arm hold, basically, no matter what. The other yeah. thing that I wanted to bring up, because I think it's, it's, it's symmetry, if you will, between the Sasuke match, and especially knowing that, you know, Sasuke fractures his skull, Kushida gets a concussion in this match. Kushida ends up doing the senton that... Sasuke did uh, only his hits, and he doesn't, you know, break his he skull. Almost kill himself. Doing it. <laughs> but but it's yeah. I, I just thought that the symmetry between those two spots was was worth noting, considering that they happen to be both of you know on their classic match list. Um, oh, how about the rebound lariat spot that they have, where oh. O'Reilly does the rebound lariat, Kushida doesn't fall, goes back into the ropes for his own, but then O'Reilly just creams him with the lariat. It's it's beautiful. Yeah, no, it's it's a great match, and and uh, it was. I'm glad it was picked. Yeah, there's no other way around it. It was just it's a lot of fun to watch, and it it makes you appreciate. Like you watch matches like that, you remember why you're a wrestling fan in the first place. Without a doubt, without a doubt, they tell a complete story. Yeah. There's there's everything that you could probably want from a wrestling match is in this wrestling match. Kushida ends up yeah. taking the win with the hoverboard lock. Um, you know, the, the post-match where they're kind of like on their knees bowing to one another is beautiful. It's, you know, there's a story, a deeper story between Kushida and Kyle O'Reilly and they have their own kind of trilogy, um, that I think is worth noting too. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it, yeah, these guys are gold together and it's, it's really awesome to watch their matches and then kind of compare, uh, Kushida and Osprey because it's, it's, it's very different and yet, at the same time, there's a very similar kind of intensity and and sort of I have to win this match, which we don't you know we don't see often enough um, in yeah. North American pro wrestling. It's sometimes it's more about putting on a show, which hey, sometimes that's good. But when you get two guys in there that just make it feel so real, the way that these guys do, it's it's special. So go watch yeah, this match. No, <laughs> yes, go watch the match. That's an order. So, but those were the three classics that we had picked out for this week um, to watch. Now we're going to get to, we're probably going to have two classics for next week, correct? Uh, Because Wilford being sick didn't get one in. Yes. Um, We didn't get enough, we didn't get enough entries that um, that shirt giveaway is still going. That's right. We just got to get some some more entries. So if you want to. If you have a classic match suggestion, the only rule to it is it has to be on NJPW World. Exactly. Um, you can tweet it out with the hashtag KOPW72. Um, and if we use, if, if you send it in and we use it, we'll mention it on the air, we'll give you credit for it, and we'll get you a t-shirt. Yeah, that's all you got to so, do. But this week, Free t-shirt. yeah, that's all you got to do. But, so this week, it's just going to be our picks. Yes. Um, you got, what's your, what is your pick? What is my pick? Oh, I got to go yeah, first. Yeah, so let you go first. Oh, yes, man. I had to go first last week. All right, hang on one second here. Let me just pull it up. So my pick, 
this time around is 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 one that I am am actually uh, fairly excited about because I think it's going to be a it, it's going to be a bit of a surprise um, because it's not necessarily something that um, you know we haven't we haven't really talked uh, as much about this particular performer as we might given different opportunities. But my match is, uh, is actually from 2008. It's Wrestle Kingdom 2. And this is going to be um, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi. And the person that I'm talking about that we haven't talked a whole lot about, which does make sense considering where he is today, but his opponent is none other than Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, uh, I'm a huge Nakamura fan uh, I, I was waiting to see how many weeks it was going to take until you got to a Nakamura match, yeah. and I was not picking one until you got there. <laughs> so here's a quick little bit of background when it comes to me and my love for Nakamura. Um, I actually got turned on to Nakamura very early, and a lot of that had to do with Wrestling Observer because he got mentioned early on in his career as being like the next big thing. They threw the title on him very early. It looked like this guy was... You know, you had to get behind this guy. So I got behind him. I had a creative wrestler in, you know, WrestleMania, uh, which was an X7, I think, for GameCube or whatever. Like, I mean, I was all about uh, um, Nakamura even back then. And then following his career and seeing kind of the stumbles along the way, the weird booking, you know, the shit with like somebody like Lesnar, the, the MMA diversions seeing him come back, seeing him form the character that we know, you know, today, the King of Strong style, you know, taking all those influences that he had outside of wrestling and bringing them into wrestling and being who he is. You know, just just not many performers in the history of professional wrestling, I feel like, have been able to do what he has done. And so anyway, this match from Wrestle Kingdom 2, I feel like, is uh, is one of his highlights. Uh, I think that, you know, we get lost sometimes in the um, um, Tanahashi-Okada feud. Uh, yeah. But the truth of the matter is the, the original Tanahashi feud was Tanahashi-Nakamura. Um, you know, they were kind of like the, the, the Mudo and, and Chono of their age in a lot of ways. And uh, uh, so that's my pick. That's my pick. I've said too yeah, much. Cool. I like no, I like that pick. But the only thing I'm going to say about this, and I haven't seen this particular match, but I've seen enough Nakamura to know that if you only know Nakamura from WWE, oh. wait, you see what what he can do when there's no handcuffs put on him. Mm-hmm. So um, now my classic match, uh, I shocking. I went with a junior match, mm. but with a twist. I went with a junior tag match. I figure we haven't had a tag match. Beautiful. Yet. That's right. We haven't. So I went with Dominion 2014, okay. which aired on June 21st. It's the opening match of the show. It's the Time Splitters, mm-hmm. Alex Shelley and Kushida against the Young Bucks yes. for the for the Junior Tag ta- Championship. Um, I I figured we were due for a tag match. I love it, and I love. It. First of all, I, you never go wrong with the Young Bucks, but a lot of people maybe if you're new haven't watched the Time Splitters. Um, and you get to see a little bit more where Kushida's Back to the Future ex- uh, comes from. Right. But, um, yeah, him and Alex Shelley. Now, Alex Shelley, you might know, is in Ring of Honor now. He's part of the Motor City Machine Guns. Yeah. With Chris Saban. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and it's real easy to find. It's the opening match of the card. It's a nice, it's only 16 minutes, 50 seconds. So it's not like, you know, it's going to take you forever to watch. But 
uh, you know, that's where I went with. It's a hell of a match. That was, that was the idea. The, the rivalry between those two teams is is, is worth noting as well. And and no, I, I that, I'm looking forward to talking about it without a doubt. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it too much no. until after we, you know. So, but uh, yeah, that's classic matches for the week. Does that bring us like to the I end still, of the show? I guess it does. <laughs> I mean, it feels wrong because we're not over three hours. Like I feel completely. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, hey, one thing I want to say to the listeners real quick is thank you for, uh, you know, uh, your feedback, of course. Uh, You know, don't forget to hit that uh, subscribe button on iTunes. Give us a rating uh, on iTunes. Send us some feedback at KOPW72 on Twitter. Um, You know, hit us up. Follow us on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Stay a part of the conversation. Uh, Send us your classic match suggestions and you'll be entered into... The uh, giveaway contest for a free T-shirt. Uh, we got some more exciting news coming up real soon. Yeah. But uh, you know, thanks for for listening. We you know we go long, but we do it because we love it, and and we do it because we have had plenty of times when we've sat around listening to podcasts that are over two hours. Whether we listen to it all in one go or we split it up or whatever, you know, I, I, I'm I, I love it. So hopefully you love it. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, you I know, mean, we're we love doing it. We do. We love doing it. We love talking about wrestling in general, especially New Japan pro wrestling. And um, nothing makes me happier than when we do a show and and somebody sends us a tweet about something that was in the show. Yeah. Um, I know, like J J T. What's it? J W Thompson. Thompson. Yeah. He he would just send us like um, the last episode. I think I mentioned that I thought Evil had outgrown the the, the props. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and it was late in the episode. I brought that up. And he sent out a tweet that I was out of my mind, basically. Yeah. But I love the fact that he did it. You know, he's listening to the whole show. It was something that caught his interest, tweeted it out there. Yeah. You know, so we like the interaction. We like when people get, like, more involved with us. And, um, you know, it, it also doesn't hurt that the more people tweet about, like, send us tweets, and then it gets us out there a little bit. It does. Because I'm sure there's – it's not that we're sitting here looking, well, we want more people to listen. It's just that we know there's – fans of new japan wrestling that would probably like this podcast it's just getting them to know we exist for sure that's the that's the thing and and our goal you know i mean we're we're taking some chances uh very early on and 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 we'll be you know this this august and september in particular there's going to be a hell of a lot that we've got to offer and uh I, i think that people should definitely stay tuned because you know Literally, you haven't heard anything yet. There, there's going to be a lot of exciting stuff. We've we've already yeah. reached out to a couple of people for interviews, and uh, we're going to have an exciting interview here probably sooner than later, and then we'll have you know more to come. So, uh, if, we're very and if we get that, I'll get yeah. We'll give you a hint. We're trying to. We we feel pretty good that we're going to get the interview. It is a current New Japan wrestler. Just put it that. Yes. Yes, indeed. It um, isn't like we're you know. So we're excited about a lot of it. And like Sam said, we're going to take some chances here, especially with doing the StarCast uh, convention. You know, we're throwing ourselves out there. But uh, the main reason we do this is for fun. You know, so we're not we're not sitting here worried about, well, we have this many followers or anything like that. We want to have fun. And no matter how many people listen, our goal is to make the most entertaining, interactive podcast we can make for the for those people. Definitely. You know? And it it definitely furthers my love of New Japan Wrestling because the more we have to talk about it, the more you find yourself into it and watching. Like when we started the podcast, I was already watching it, but I find that I watch the matches 
more intently now. Right. Yeah, and, you, and I'm thankful for that. Yeah, you start to kind of watch in a different way. It, it is interesting the way that that happens. But, you know, we're, we're excited to have people come along for the ride. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, we're going to go home now. But, uh, yeah, everybody in the meantime, take care of yourselves and one another. And mm-hmm. we will be back for another mm-hmm. episode of King of Pro Wrestling Podcast next week. We'll get to talk uh, Young Lions Project. We'll get to talk uh, some, uh, well, actually, we'll get to talk the first show of the best Super Juniors. So, yeah. Got some good stuff. And like I said earlier in the show, be bold or go home, boys <laughs> and girls. That's it. All right. Take care. Okay, good. Thanks. Thanks.